Yo, 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 episode number 71 of the It's Just a Game podcast, back with another guest. So I have my guy, Mike Harris, from the Believe You Can podcast. He's a he's a podcaster himself. He's a Steelers fan. And I, I'm going to find out today that he's a, also a Dallas Cowboys fan. So that kind of sucks a little bit. But we're going to talk more about the Steelers side of it because we're not going to talk about that team that wears the star in their helmet from Arlington, Texas. Um, I mean, we talk about football, football, and more football. I mean, we don't talk about anything else. It's all NFL the whole time. This is a long conversation, so if you can make it through this whole episode, I salute you and I appreciate the support. But if you don't make it through the entire episode, I still appreciate you listening. Um yeah, we talk about the Eagles, we talk about the Steelers, we talk about what teams do we think are the top contenders, who had the best rookies, who are the best of their positions. We talk about a lot of stuff, so let's just dive right into it. It's just a game. My God, what a, what a meaningless statement. What a meaningless thing to say. I'm Mike Harris with me. He's from the Believe You Can podcast, correct? Yeah, yes, sir. Okay. So I don't know if you want to just, you know, tell the people about your podcast and what you do. So, uh, I have a podcast called Believe You Can. It's pretty much just like an interview based podcast for athletes and mainly MMA fighters. But I also write for uh, the site Overtime Heroics and I cover the Pittsburgh Steelers. So, OK. Oh, so you actually you currently cover the Steelers. Yeah, uh, I, I was doing it hard, like a lot for a minute and then I started college in May so it's like I just like kind of scaled back on it but I'm still a beat writer for him oh cool cool okay because I remember when I first got in contact with you I thought I thought you said you used to I didn't realize you were still doing it okay that's that's, that's pretty good okay so you're like really really tapped in with the Pittsburgh Steelers team yeah yeah I'm also from the Pittsburgh area I live like 20 minutes from the stadium perfect so you know, we have this whole interstate rivalry thing going on, but, I mean, it's not really a rivalry. We only play you guys every four years. You know, we only go to Pittsburgh every eight years. So, I don't really think it's really a rivalry. And, honestly, so, I'm not really big on having, like, two teams when I hear people say, oh, this is my first team, this is my second team. I hate that. I really do. But <laughs> if I were to have a second team, it probably would be the Steelers because I've always admired your team from afar. And, like, I've always liked the way you guys play. Like, I, I love – I'm an old-school, like, football fan, so I love to watch defense. And, like, you guys, the Chicago Bears, the Baltimore Ravens, like, they're teams that just – no matter what, they always have good defenses. No matter if the team is terrible, if the team is good, they just always have solid to great defenses. And I, I've always just admired that. And I love Mike Tomlin also, so. Yeah, uh, I'm not I'm not a huge on Mike Tomlin, but I, I don't think it's a Mike Tomlin issue. I think I, it's more of a play calling issue, I, in my opinion. And, you know, he doesn't have too much control over that. Randy Fickner runs that. But like we had in that game last night, it was just there was a point where there was like five, six minutes left in the game and they and we had the lead. And they come out five wide three times in a row and throw the ball. Right, and then right. you guys got it back immediately. And I, I was just like, 
I was yelling at the TV at that point. Just <laughs> run the ball two times. Right, right. I um, yeah, that game. So I did my I did a preview for I did an episode yesterday, and I talked about what I thought was going to happen, and I didn't expect to win this game. I mean, you got the three and zero. I mean, I'm looking across the field. I see TJ Watt. I see Stephon Tewitt. I see Minka Fitzpatrick. I see Joe Hayden. I see uh, Devin Bush. I, I see uh, Bud Dupree. I see so many playmakers on the defense, and my team just doesn't have the weapons to keep up with a defense that has that many playmakers. So I really didn't expect to win that game. But when it got down to 31 to 30, was it? 31 29. Yeah, 29. Okay. It was 31 to 29, and it was 37. And we had a chance to at least, like, not only get – we could have at least got the first down, but if anything else, get a little closer to make it an easier field goal. And as we – I'm sure you know – Hans Field is not an easy place to make long field goals. Like that is a tough place, and I think I think it's like going one end of the field. I don't know if that was like the correct end, but I know it's one end. It's like almost impossible to make a, a field goal over fifty yards. So, yeah, the the uh, longest the record for the longest field goal inside that stadium since it switched from Three Rivers to Heinz Field yeah. is fifty three or fifty four yards. Right. Yeah. See that that's that's brutal, man. So. Like Jake Elliott, he made a 61-yard field goal a couple years ago. But he, he was really close to making that field goal, too. He really – it was just right. And I'm looking at, like, come on, just go, just go. Please just just go back to the left and get it. And and like I said, I don't even know. Maybe they would have lost the game anyway, but it would have been nice to at least take the lead for that little bit because once we were down 31-14, to 14, I'm thinking – I'm pretty sure you probably had the same thought. You know, we got this game in the bag. It, it's over, so – I mean, did you have that thought at that time? Oh, yeah, I for sure. I was like, we're going to start pulling away now. And then yeah. I, I really think that the turning point in that game was that drive where they came out and it was 31-14 and they went five wide three times in a row and they gave the ball back immediately three and out back to you guys. It's just – it really, like, swung the momentum. And and then you guys hit the two-point conversion after scoring and it, yeah. it was like – it was a – it was a stressful ending. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> yeah, look, I mean, it's football. It's only 16 games. So, you know, every single game is going to be stressful. That's the, the toughest part about being a football fan is you know every game is going to pretty much go down to the wire. I mean, you're going to have a couple games. I mean, if you're a great team, you're going to have a couple games out the year where it's a comfortable win. But for the most part, you know what you're getting yourself into. You know, you every Sunday you're going to sit, you're going to be biting your nails, you're going to be sitting at the edge of your seat. You pretty much know what you're getting into. So, But um, I do want to ask, so exactly how long have you been a Pittsburgh Steelers fan? How, how long have you actually, like, followed them? So? Um, Probably since about, like, 10 years old, 11 years old. Like my fam, my my dad's a hardcore Steeler fan. My whole family are Steeler fans. Um, yeah. So, and I, from a very young age, I was just like, I started like paying attention to stats and like keeping a book on everything in my head. <laughs> right, right. I got you. And so, if you don't mind me asking, like, how, how old are you? So, I'm 26. 20, so 16 years ago. Okay. So pretty much right at the start of Ben Roethlisberger's career is when you started. Okay. Yeah, actually, yeah, actually, like one of the first games that I watched was Tommy Maddox right before Ben Roethlisberger, yeah. and then, yeah, 
he was awful. And thank God he got injured in the first game of the season. And oh, then yeah. Ben had the historic undefeated run in the regular season. Yeah, yeah, that was that was nuts. That was um yeah, I think he got hurt in the Baltimore game and you guys lost that game. And then Ben Big Ben came in and won every single game after that until until the playoffs. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, but I remember so at the time I was fifteen, so I didn't really follow like the draft. Like I followed the NFL, so I didn't really know who Ben Roethlisberger was. And I had a friend who was a Steelers fan, and we we were playing. I think we were playing Madden or either ESPN or or Madden, one of the football games. And he played with the Steelers, and I remember he took out Tommy Maddox and put in Ben Roethlisberger, and he was like, "No, he's better than Tommy Maddox." And I'm thinking like, "Who is this guy? I don't even know who he is." Like he got this long weird name, like he's big and he's this big like <laughs> chunky guy. And then when he started playing, I'm like, "Okay, he's actually pretty good." And I remember when you guys beat us, like you guys destroyed us that year. And that was pretty much our only loss that season. Like that was a terrible game for us. And I think you guys beat New England and then us like back to back weeks where it's which was nuts at the time when you think about it. So Yeah. Uh he yeah, I don't think much people expected anything from Ben Roethlisberger. He came from the universe like a, a very small Miami of Ohio. So right, right. It, it was like a weird it's like one of those tom brady like mr irrelevant type of draft picks yeah. that ends up being insane yeah that's that's crazy when you think about like two of the best quarterbacks from this generation were not like top picks or anything they weren't they didn't go to alabama they didn't go to ohio state they didn't go to like georgia or whatever it's just it's crazy when you think about like the top two quarterbacks yeah uh i i'm not i don't follow college too much but like I couldn't tell you where most of the good quarterbacks came from to right, except right. except like the new era, like, you know, the Lux and Newtons and those like because they were kind of a big deal coming into the draft to begin with. Yeah, for sure. Andrew Luck was a big deal. I I remember watching him in college thinking this kid is going to be really, really good. So, But so what do you so you've been able to follow Ben Roethlisberger's career, his whole career. So. Where do you put him as far as like the all time greats? Do you think he's like a top ten all time? You think he's top twenty? Like, do you think he's had a, a Hall of Fame career? Like, what do you think about his career? So, um, well, to answer that, let me. Where would you rank Terry Bradshaw all time? Since, let me ask you that. Uh, I don't really. I mean, so Terry Bradshaw was he was good for his era, but I don't. Okay, I, that's my yeah. point. That yeah. you know how many people rank him in a top 10 or a top five like if you flip through espn like all the and you look at the top list of like great all-time quarterbacks it's like tom brady peyton manning joe montana uh and then terry bradshaw is usually one of those in the top five or ten and it's crazy to me even being a pittsburgh fan like so when i look at that like i look at big ben and i i mean he's the only Steeler to throw for five thousand yards ever uh yeah two Super Bowls, been to three. Like, I, I think he's definitely in the top ten. But, I mean, if he if he has a deep playoff run this year after coming back from missing a whole season or even goes to the Super Bowl, I, I, I think he's – I think that makes him a top five quarterback of all time. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I'm a big fan of Big Ben. And I was listening to uh, WIP the other day on my way to work, and that's our, our Philadelphia uh, sports radio station. And it was a Pittsburgh Steelers fan that called in. 
And he just really didn't sound impressed with Big Ben. And I feel like you have blinders on. When you watch a team every single week throughout, throughout like, multiple years, you really don't appreciate how good that person is. And when you look at from the outside, you see things differently. Like you might think, oh, that's a great player. Like, it's the same thing with us. A lot of people thought McNabb and Reed were just, just great combination. But for us, it was they didn't get us over the hump, and they always seemed to come up small in big situations. So, and a lot of people say, oh, you guys shouldn't have got rid of Indy Reed. And I, I used to just say, you know, it was pretty much time to move on at that point. And I just feel like that's what happens with Big Ben. I feel like Steelers fans don't really appreciate him as much as they should. But I do. I mean, I see Big Ben. I think he's one of – I mean, he's had a lot of injuries, but he's played through a lot of injuries as well. And he's a – like, yep. as far as, like, guys that are hard to sack, he's one of the hardest guys to sack, man, because he is so big. And, I mean, I think McNabb was, like, the only other – like, probably Cole Pepper as well, Dante Cole Pepper from back in the day. There were, like, the three quarterbacks off the top of my head that I, that I would say are, are the hardest to sack. And you always think the guys that can run, the Lamar Jacksons, the Michael Vicks, like – those guys, but once you get them, like you can pretty much get them. But those guys, you can get a, a hand on them, you can get two guys on them, and that he just slips right out of it like it's nothing. Then he makes a great throw. So it's just, I, I've always liked Big Ben. I mean, especially that 08, 08 Super Bowl. That's one of my favorite Super Bowls of all time. Uh, 2005, he had a terrible Super Bowl, so he made up for it in, in 2008. So, yeah, the throw to Santana Holmes was insane. That's yeah, it really <laughs> was. Yeah, but me and going the back, were actually talking about that yesterday. That was a really, really good throw and a really good catch. So. Yeah, he got MVP for it. But going back to the uh, fans under, like, not appreciating Ben, uh, I actually, that was one of the first articles that I wrote when I got the job with Overtime Heroics, right? And, yeah. and it was about the impact that, like, Ben would have being healthy to the team. And, and like, so many people – were commenting and they were like, oh, we need to move on. Like we need to trade him <laughs> while he has stock. And, and I mean, he, he's he threw 27 for 34 with three touchdowns and no interceptions and gave up one sack. Like right, it, right. It, <laughs> he's, he's doing, he's probably like as far, like I think he's outperforming a lot of like the top quarterbacks right now. I mean, it's hard to, it's, it's hard for me to list them because like, there's Russell Wilson, uh, Josh Allen, uh, Tom Brady, etc. But they, they're on teams where they're throwing the ball a lot. They don't they don't have great defenses. They yeah. so like it, it, it kind of like makes it different because Ben don't have to throw that much. Ben don't have to put up 40 a game like Russell Wilson to win. Like and so like I, I value what Ben's doing this season more than even when he threw for 5,000 yards in 2018. Oh, for sure. Yeah. So I think the era that we're in, I think, so I think 5,000 yards is, I mean, it is impressive, but I don't look at it like it's the end all be all. I think we're back on. Yeah. Yeah. I have no idea what happened. Sorry. (laughs) Yeah. I don't, I don't know either. I I don't know if my hand hit a button or what. So, um, so, like like I was saying, like I think 5,000 yards is impressive when you look at it. But I think in this era of everyone just passing and the rules being so in favor of everything offensive, I just think it's – I don't know. I mean, since everyone is doing – like when Dan Marino did it back in 84, it was pretty impressive. But we have – I mean, Matthew Stafford has done for 5,000 yards. Like Tom Brady has done it. Peyton Manning has done it. Uh, I think – 
I want to say Aaron Rodgers has done it. I don't know if Aaron Rodgers has ever thrown for 5,000. I'm I'm not totally sure on that, but yeah, I mean it's it's a. I still think it's like a. It's a pretty good stat to have. Like yeah. there, I think there's only eight quarterbacks that have ever done it so far. But I mean, you're definitely a hundred percent right. Like especially the like this season, there's been a shift in like crazy amount of yards being thrown. Like yeah, there's like seven, eight quarterbacks that are over that are t- like. 1,000, 1,100, 1,200 yards, and then Dak before breaking his ankle yesterday oh my God. had like 1,800 yards yeah. in four games, and that's that's insane. <laughs> right. Like, I'm looking at it now. I mean, like, we got one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. I mean, Teddy Bridgewater is fifth in the league in passing yards. Like, I was like, like, what do you mean? Like, so. Uh, yeah. Yeah, low-key Robbie Anderson has been, like, a huge target for Teddy. I have him in fantasy, and he has averaged scoring 19 points every week in fantasy. Yeah, I really like Robbie Anderson. Like, last time I played fantasy football was two years ago, and I actually had him. And I actually wanted the Eagles to sign him when he became a free agent because we needed a deep threat, and I just thought he was the best one out there. I mean, he's so small. He's so skinny, but he's fast, and he can get down the field. He can beat defenses. I really – I really like Robbie Anderson. Yeah, I'm a I'm a big fan of Robbie Anderson, and it, it helped my fantasy picks because because right, right. <laughs> uh, I'm also a big fan of Jamison Crowder, but they were on the same team. So, and I felt like they should. They're both like receivers that could easily get ten receptions a game, and yeah. now it's showing. Like Robbie Anderson, back to back weeks now has had nine receptions and ten receptions, and then same thing with Jamison Crowder. He had like six or seven catches with over 100 yards and a touchdown. Like, yeah. it, it really helped the fantasy when they right. let go of Rob Anderson. <laughs> yeah, true that. I, I used to hate uh, Jamison Crowder. He's one of those guys that just used to drive my team crazy. We used to play him twice a year. So when he was with Washington, he every time it just seemed like he was always making the play. Like, him and Kirk Cousins, they, they, and Jordan Reed, too. Jordan Reed was another guy that just they always gave us problems for some reason. Yeah, I, <laughs> uh, I, I was I, I like the Dallas Cowboys too, so I, I totally understand that. Oh man, but, come on! Why you have to tell me that? Like, <laughs> well, I had to add that in because you're a Philly fan. So, yeah, like, man, now it's just like, oh man, okay. So, I, I do want to say one thing about the Cowboys, though. So, watching that Deck Prescott thing yesterday, that like literally broke my heart. That, that I was so. Our team's, like, not – I can't say our team because I, I will always ride with the Steelers if they're playing the Cowboys. But the Dallas Cowboys have a shit team this year. But Dak was playing at such a high level that it was, like, so fun to watch him play regardless of the outcome. Yeah. And and then seeing him, like, cry. And right. The, <laughs> the what what got me is – I don't know if you watched it live, but Tony Romo was the commentator, and he was like – Cowboy fans are hoping that this is a cramp here, guys. And then it <laughs> zoomed in on his leg, and it was side, and his foot was sideways, and he right. was like, "Oh, oh, maybe not." Like, yeah, no, it was it was ugly, man. I like I kind of saw the aftermath of it because I was watching it, and it was kind of in the background, and I just saw him on on just holding his knee or holding his uh, ankle. So I, I didn't see the extent of like what actually happened, though. So. And then when I see um, Mike McCarthy coming out, I see Jason Garrett coming out. I see the owner just like look. I see Jerry Jones looking worried. I see like 
ladies in the stands like hugging their spouses and just like somebody was hugging somebody. I don't remember who it was. And then when they brought the card out, I'm thinking, oh my God, this is bad. But then when I actually went back and saw the actual play and I saw what happened to his knee or what happened to his ankle, I'm like, okay, now I understand the big deal. And just seeing him crying off the field. And look, I'm an Eagles fan. I'm a diehard Eagles fan. I hate the Cowboys. Like, to the day I die, I mean, my son even knows, like, not to ever root for the Cowboys. <laughs> One day, it's actually a funny story. One day, we were actually in the store. We were in the clothing store. I'm looking through, like, I'm looking through Eagles shirts or whatever. And, and my son, he comes across a Cowboys shirt. And he just, like, he don't know. He have, he don't really follow sports like I do. He just sees a star. I mean, he just sees the blue star. And he thinks, oh, that looks cool. He goes to that and, like, oh, this is a nice shirt. I'm like, Kaden, no. Put, put that back, like. So he knows you're not allowed to like the Cowboys. Like you're not allowed to really hate anything, but you're allowed to hate the Cowboys. You can be anything you want in this world, child, but except for a Cowboys fan. So it's really deep rooted with my Cowboys hate. I don't really hate anything. Like I don't I don't hate people. I don't hate things. Like a lot of people hate LeBron James and they hate uh Tom Brady. I don't hate anybody except for the Cowboys. And just watching that, I really got chills because it, it, it gave me goosebumps and I don't want to see that. Like, I don't want to see the star quarterback for the Cowboys mess up. Like, who knows when he can come back from that? I mean, that, that's a serious thing. Compound fracture. And, I mean, it, although as an Eagles fan, even as a Pittsburgh fan, because we play the Cowboys this year, like they got Andy Dalton as backup. So that's three wins for our team combined right there. <laughs> I, I don't know, man. Andy Dalton, he's won a lot of games, like, over his career with Cincinnati, so. He's not bad, but I mean, it, it showed he came into the game yesterday and fumbled immediately. Like I, I just we we have we don't have a team that suits Andy Dalton to do successful. He's a good game manager. He's not like when he has to have the game on his shoulders, he makes a lot of bad decisions. Oh, for sure. And we have a terrible offensive line right now. Like we like terrible and. I, I don't see him doing too well. Like I, I, I see us not starting him or him getting injured eventually in this season. Right. So the most ironic thing about that is the Dallas Cowboys, like since 2013, 2014, has had consistently one of the best offensive lines in the league. So it's crazy how far you got to fall. Tom Smith is out for the season, correct? Tyron Smith's out for the season. Uh, Leo, uh, uh, Leo, Leo or yeah. yeah, Collins. I could, I don't know how to pronounce that yeah, first right, name, right. but uh, and then uh, the other dude just went down that replaced the left guard, and Travis Frederick retired. So it's just like, yeah, it's a big shit show. Right, right. <laughs> I mean, you ain't got to tell me. I mean, my team, like Andre Dillard, was supposed to be our. He, we drafted him last year to, you know, take over Jason Peters' role eventually. He ended up getting hurt in the offseason. He's out for the year. Jason Peters was supposed to play right guard for Brandon Brooks, who's hurt. And then he had to move from right guard to left tackle. He he ends up getting hurt. So we got Dura Malatai playing left tackle, who's a rugby player. He's never even played really in a game before, except for, like, preseason and stuff like that. Uh, Lane Johnson got hurt yesterday. Uh, uh, Nate Herbert. I will say, though, yeah. you, guys got, you guys got a lot of – in the game yesterday, like this season hasn't been great for the Eagles, but like in the game yesterday, I feel like a few guys like proved that they're going to be like emerging stars, like w- Greg Ward, uh, the full uh, that, that new kid that yes, caught that kid, yeah, man. Fulgham, 
Um, and then Miles Sanders. I mean, I know he was proven, but then he's been banged up this season. Right, and right. Not like he, he didn't have really like a huge game yet. And then yesterday he just he, he did really good in the passing and the running game. So, yeah. like, I, I feel like you guys are definitely – you have the pieces to do good. It, it's like Carson Wentz should be – if he was playing like he was the last few years, right. I feel like you guys would be – like maybe a one loss team instead of a one and three and one team. Right, that sounds so weird, right? <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, for sure. If he he was like he was money in cl- in the clutch time in the last few seasons, I don't think that game would have ended in a tie if it came down to Carson playing like the way he had was in prior years. Yes, twenty seventeen. I always say this in twenty seventeen. Whether it was third down, it could have been third and seventeen. I had confidence that they were going to, they were going to uh, convert that third down. It didn't matter how many yards they had to go. It didn't matter where they were at on the field. And once they got into the red zone, they were money. Like once we got in the red zone, we were scoring a touchdown every single time. I remember we played the Dallas Cowboys in twenty seventeen. We blew we blew them out, and it was a Sunday night game. And our kicker actually got hurt on the opening kickoff. So every time we had to go for two, we had no – like, if it was fourth down, we had to go for it. Every touchdown we got, we had to go for two because we had no kicker. We literally – I think we converted every single two-point conversion. It was fourth and, like, 11 at one point. We ended up throwing a touchdown to Alshon Jeffrey. And I just don't know what happened to that Carson Wentz. It just seems like he always makes these terrible decisions. And what pissed me off yesterday is – he had he threw the interception when it was put, it was supposed to go to Zach Ertz, and Zach Ertz ended up getting bumped off the route or something. But even if he didn't get bumped off the route, it was still a terrible throw. And after the game, he had a, a press conference and he said, "Oh, it's an unfortunate situation. Oh, he ended up getting bumped." And I'm just like, I just feel like he should have took more accountability for throwing the interception, especially when you have nine inter- interceptions on the league. This is not like your first uh, interception of the year. You've been turnover prone the whole entire season, so you don't get the blame. Other people, you don't get to like uh, deflect like blame or anything. This is on you. Like the interception, every interception you throw is going to be on you, whether it's your fault or not. But the fans are going to see it as this is your fault. Yeah. What? Well, speaking about the third down conversions that you were talking about from 2017, actually last night was like a pretty good night for him. He, they went 10 for 14 on third down, which yeah. I mean that that was good. They had a lot of they they didn't do well moving the ball until the chunk plays hit until like the bigger like 15 20 30 yard plays and and i I think that's going to be aside from carson for a sec i think that's going to be a huge problem with pittsburgh this year we have a super good pass rush we have decent say we have one really 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 good safety and one decent safety but we have two good corners too but our pass defense is getting Anything more than 10 yards against every team this season has been getting to us. Like, the, right. it's it's been a big, big problem with the Steeler defense this year. Like, if this – they didn't have Ben Roethlisberger all of 2019, and they went 8-8 eight and eight with that with Mason Rudolph in that defense. That defense last year would not have been allowed – like, the game would have been over if it was 31-14, in my opinion, with the defense that was playing last year. Even though it's like – identically the same roster minus Mark Barron and Jason Hargrave. Like it, it, it makes no sense to me other than, I mean, Mark, Mark Barron being a traditional safety and playing linebacker kind of like made the matchups easier in the past game because 
instead of a linebacker on the slot guy or the tight end, you got right. a smart Mark Barron on them. So, but it, it's a big issue this year. And going back to your Carson Wentz thing, I he, he's making a lot of bad throws. But what do you think? Do you do you think? it's a mindset thing or a confidence thing, or is it like a lack of, of take it? Because you see most of the best quarterbacks they if they fuck up, they're like, it's on me. Like I got to do better for my teammates. Like, yeah. you know, like I, I know in this situation, I have to step up. It's not a good thing to hear from your franchise guy that he's not taking the blame and not like addressing the situation. Cause to me, that sounds like someone that thinks that they're doing everything right. So he's not going to change what he's doing. Yeah, pretty much. So I do think it's a, a mental thing because the throws, like some of the throws that he makes are just not good throws. I mean, there will be plays where he it's always high. So I don't really know. I need like some passing expert to tell me if you keep throwing high, like what does that mean? Because he always misses high. He overthrows so many people, especially when it's his easy throws. Like it'll be just routine throws that he just could make. It could be easy four, six, seven yards, and he just misses them. And I mean, yesterday he didn't really make too many of those throws yesterday. And I mean, Travis Fogan was really the only person that was throwing much of anything, honestly. I mean, he had 10 catches for I think 153 in the touchdown. So Besides that, it wasn't really – I mean, he doesn't have the connection with Zach Ertz these last couple of weeks. I mean, that was his only consistent. for the, Even when he's struggling, Zach Ertz was the only guy he could always lean on. He doesn't even have that. Right yeah. The, last, last week he had four catches for, I think, 16 yards. Yesterday he had one catch for four yards. So he doesn't even have that anymore. Uh, he has a couple a couple of checkdowns to Miles Sanders and Fogum. That's pretty much it. A couple of throws to Ward as well. Like the touchdown pass to Ward was good. But – yeah, I think something that really hurts you guys this year be, because of the way that your offense is run, uh, Goddard getting hurt because he was doing – I had him in fantasy and he was doing really good those first two weeks until he went down. Yeah, he and I think like that – I think him and this – that like the, the defense gives Zach Ertz all the attention because Jeffrey and – Deshaun Jackson have been banged up so they're they didn't have to really worry about the outside so they give Zach Ertz all the attention which would then open up Goddard and the other guys now I mean you got you got to see Fulgham step up but other than that like defenses kind of know shut down Zach Ertz watch Miles Sanders and we're pretty much good but I'm Fulgham made uh, he it wasn't no luck plays either. He was running routes all over right. every corner that was lining up on him. It was it was insane watching that kid run routes. Yeah, like the um the one play was close to the red zone. Uh, he threw it. I think it was like a deep crossing route, and he took a hit. I don't even know who hit him. He took a hit and just bounced off of him, and he got like 10 more yards. And I'm thinking, like, that's the player right there. Then it was another third. It was like a third and 12 or third and like 15 or something. And I remember thinking, yeah, they're probably not going to convert this because we don't have the team. We don't have the personnel. It has to be like third and five or less for me to really feel confident. If it's more than like five or six yards, I'm not really confident that we're going to convert it. And he hit him on the seam route. And then it was another one where he he threw it in the middle, and I think he jumped up to catch it. And it kind of looked like the David Tyreek catch from 07. But he's made so many great plays, and I'm just – is this kid serious? Like, this kid was a walk-on at Old Dominion University. Like, this kid was undrafted. So, it's, so for him, I don't, maybe he can be even – maybe he's going to be our best receiver this year. I don't know. But it shouldn't have been that way. I mean, we got Jeffrey out, which 
whatever. He can if he never plays again, I'm okay with that, honestly. Because Jeffrey at the end of last year, he, he's been a bust. Yeah, he's he's been done. He had a couple 2017 to 2018, he was good. Last year he was not good. This year he hasn't played, so whatever. Deshaun Jackson has been a waste. He had one good game last year uh against Washington the first week of the season. Ever since then, he's pretty much done nothing. Yeah, I think, though, I think he fits what the offense wants to do because he stretches the field because Carson likes to hit the middle and, like, the out, like, corner routes and stuff and getting Deshaun Jackson to run down, like, just like a streak route going down the field gets a lot of attention because of how fast he is and the name he carries. So I, I feel like that's why they have, that's why they kept him even after not a great season last year. And, like, I, I think I think he just fits what the Eagles want to do because they're not worried about getting him the ball, really. They're pretty much like, you you get some attention, stretch the field so we can get these guys underneath for a 15, 20-yard gain. But I think, going back to Fulgham, I think when I got, like, when, like, all those plays you named obviously were awesome. But when I was like, oh, okay, this kid's more than just athletic because, you know, athleticism's a lot but it doesn't do like the fine detail things in, in a receiver's route running and stuff. And yeah. when it, it, it was, a, I think it was a long third down and he had, he had Stevie Nelson on him and Stevie Nelson finished number. I think he was number one or two in the best man to man cornerbacks last season. Oh, really? oh. And yeah. And uh, when specifically in man to man situations, he was, he had like the least amount of catches, the least amount of yards on him when he lined up man to man and that in Fulgham, hit that out route and hit the corner on him. And the way that he ran that route, I was just like, oh, okay, like Philly definitely needs to start game planning, like how they will get, go into a game, game planning. Okay, Miles Sanders is going to do this and we're going to get him these many times. They need to start game planning. Okay, now we're going to start adding Fulgham into the entire, like we got to make sure this kid gets at least 10 targets a game. Sure. Like, like he – he looked insane, and j- while we're on while we're on receivers, I I think that we have to mention DK Metcalf. Like that that kid is gonna be like he he has reminiscence of like Andre Johnson, Calvin Johnson type wide receiver. He is insane. Yeah, he's he's good. Uh, he's really he's amazing. But I do want to say one thing real quick off, off of Fogum. I just say he was undrafted. He wasn't undrafted. He was drafted. He was drafted in the sixth round. So I just want to. Clear that up real quick before I don't want nobody to say no. He was he was drafted in the sixth round, but but yeah, DJ Metcalf is really good. I think the initial gang is like really good because you got DK Metcalf. You got I like DJ Moore from um Carolina, and there's another uh, AJ Brown from Tennessee. Even though I, I know he hasn't played much this year, but you got that's three receivers to me is like three young receivers that I think are going to be really really good. And AJ Brown and DK Metcalf are kind of not the same build, but they're like that big. Big receiver that can also stress the field, and it's like it's a weird combination. Yeah, AJ Brown for Tennessee is when he's on, he is insane. But uh, one of the through the first five games, I think I'm not being a homer here, but <laughs> Chase Clay, Chase Claypool oh, is going to be he's going to be a superstar. Like that that kid is going to be a superstar. He I know like. He scored four touchdowns against you guys, but yeah. 
even bat, when they get him in the mix and they get him targets, I mean, it's it's not his first multiple touchdown game in his rookie year. I mean, he had a two touchdown game and now a four touchdown game, and he he doesn't really get that much attention in the offense except last night he got a lot of it. But even so, it was only seven catches, and I, I think it, he is. Like he's gonna be the number one receiver. He's gonna be our new Antonio Brown with with height. He's mm-hmm. like because he runs, he's fast. He runs routes good. He's physical. He can go up for the ball and and, and he's young and his heads he's his heads in the right place. It's not the Bell and Brown era no more. We don't have those issues. Right, right, yeah. Thanks. <laughs> yeah, you guys had some Eagles over there in the past, man. It was just, whew. but I will say. That was the most frustrating thing to me about yesterday is, you know, I'm going in the game and I'm like, okay, James Conner, Eric Ebron, Juju Smith-Schuster, Deontay Johnson, uh, Washington. Cool. I'm not expecting Ray Ray McLeod and, um, and Chase Claypool to be the ones that beat me. Like, th- those are the two guys that weren't on my radar at all. Like, I wasn't – I was not expecting that. So, when I see this Claypool kid, I'm like, Okay, who who is this kid? First of all, so and then Ray Ray McLeod with that big run, I'm just okay. This is if Juju Smith Schuster would have scored four touchdowns, I'm okay with that. Like that is like you know what I can live with that. But Claypool, or, like he's he's a rookie, correct? Yeah, yeah, he's a rookie. He we took him in the second round, and he's he's insane. I honestly like I and to talk to touch on the Juju Smith thing, I really I, I I'm a big Steeler fan. I don't think Juju's a number one wide receiver, to be dead honest. Uh, he His best year was when Antonio Brown was across the field from him and got all the attention. After Antonio Brown left, he's had good se- – it's not like he's a bad receiver, but he is not the guy that's going if, – if the defense is focused on him and double-teaming him and giving their shadow guy and, and – you know, having their man-to-man guy shadow him across the field, I don't think that he's the guy that's going to lead, like, a team and still make catches and make big plays. And it kind of showed last night because Darius Slay was all over him for a bit, and then Claypool started going off, so they switched him to Claypool. And it, it was just, like, they they shut down. A lot, of, a lot of teams so far this year have been able to, like, slow down Juju. And last year was bad without Mason and – the year before that, they had Antonio Brown. So it's kind of like, I, I don't think, I think as the time goes on, we're going to see less of Juju Smith until Claypool rises up in the depth chart. Once Claypool is the rightful number two, number one wide receiver, that's when Juju's going to shine because he he doesn't do a lot of great things, but he's a big physical receiver that knows how to get like get open. And that's, that's pretty much what Juju's good for, but – that's not going to happen if you're the number one guy and you don't like, he doesn't run that many unique routes. If you watch Juju Smith, he has like three or four go-tos and that's it. Like he, it's more about the physical play. Yeah. I, um, yeah, you might be right now. I mean, I've been a big Juju fan, but you actually might be right. Cause I'm thinking that, that a hundred catch season, I think that was, Antonio Brown's like last season with the Steelers. That's when he had like, yeah, like hundred and like exactly. eleven catches. So yeah, I, I, yeah, I he's a, he was a product. His 
super success was a product of the system with Antonio Brown because so much attention was on Brown. And it was to a point where that season there was a lot of issues with Brown in the locker room. So Ben also was like, oh, okay, like you're going to keep doing this. So I'm going to start going elsewhere with the ball. And it worked because they had Juju on the other side of the field with getting you know, the number two or three cornerback on him compared to now he's getting the Chris Harris's Darius Slays, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And he yeah. he doesn't do that great. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, it is a difference. It's the same premise with, like, basketball where it's a difference between being a number one guy and being a number two guy. So that, that definitely is. Or it's the same premise with being a, a defensive lineman. Like when you when you're the only defensive lineman on the line, you can kind of double team them and get away with it. But if you have somebody on the other side to help you out, you can kind of you can still get to the quarterback. So. How how much did your heart drop last night when Fletcher Cox was down for a second? Yeah, that that yeah. Because I'm just I mean we've had so many injuries Even- over these last couple of years. I'm just and Fletcher Cox has been like one of the only constants of guys that have stayed healthy and. I just I don't know. Like I just feel like he's playing on borrowed time because he's getting up there in age, man. Yeah. He got drafted in the twenty twelve. This is his ninth year, and you know I'm always nervous about because JJ Watt. Like you remember a couple, he can't stay like he's healthy this year, but over the last like three years, yeah. he really can't stay healthy, and that's what that's what I'm nervous about. I mean, every time anybody goes down to my team, I, I just get really nervous. So. I I feel it. I mean, even like I said, I follow all football. So like I'm a fan of Pittsburgh, but as as a fan of of every player, pretty much, I was like, I was like, oh, that is like, even though he's not someone that gets touchdowns or anything like that is the anchor on your defense because he's not. He's not a defensive tackle like Don Terry Poe or right, right. or Sue that are just like run stuffers, big dudes. He's he does everything. He's the anchor on that defense. He can pass rush. He can he he calls audibles for the line. Yeah. He, he's a run stuffer. He when he went down, I was like, oh, like like we're gonna start pulling away, and <laughs> and then came back in. But he's just he's so good. He's, he's uh, really but good. he yeah he. He is getting older. Uh, one of the players that I was actually pretty surprised with that's getting older is uh, Alden Smith. He's, I, he, I think he's uh, third or second in sacks this season, and he's hasn't played in four years, five years. That's right. Yeah, I didn't realize he was going for that long. Like I, I forgot who they were playing last week. Who they played? Like? Uh, oh, Cleveland. Played, that's what they we, played. Cleveland. Yeah. And they talked about and it. He, yeah, I didn't realize like how long he's been out. So, yeah, it's a, it's been a weird season, man. <laughs> it really has. Like, um, so yesterday, you know, um, uh, Cleveland with the four and one. We had San Francisco lose to uh, Miami, which nobody saw that coming. You know, you think Jimmy Garoppolo is back? You know, they're going to roll over at Miami. You, and we scored. He scored negative points in fantasy. Yeah, I hope you didn't pick. He wasn't your quarterback, was he? No, I'm, okay. I'm actually playing against him. Oh, okay. <laughs> I'm actually, that's how I knew that because I was like, I was like, oh man, Miami's defense. It's his first game back. This is going to be bad. Yeah. And then, and then it's he ended up getting point nine negative point nine points. <laughs> yeah, that's um, that's terrible. And we saw the Raiders beat the Chiefs, and that that really surprised me. Did you? So I saw a stat yesterday. This really surprised me. 
Who do you so real quick before I get to that? Who do you think the best quarterback in the league is? Do you think it's Mahomes or Wilson? Like, who would you go with, with for your money if you had to pick one? If if, if I had to pick one right now, yeah. uh, I'd pick I'd probably pick Russell Wilson. Uh, but see, this is it's it's a little it's it's a very subjective topic because everyone's going to have a different pick, you know. But right. honestly. If I had to really dive into the numbers and like, if you had to look like who's the most valuable to the team when they weren't that good last season, I would go Josh Allen or Dak Prescott until he got injured. Yeah. But, but yeah, you know, like I think Josh Allen is just, he is lighting things up this year. I think, Honestly, to me, Mahomes is underperforming this season, like big time underperforming compared to what we expect from a Patrick Mahomes game. Yeah, for sure. And and so I, I to me, it would be like Josh Allen or Russell Wilson. But I, I think the Seahawks don't have the defense that the Bills have. They don't have like they have playmakers like Lockett and Chris Carson and DK Metcalf. But overall, they don't have a good offensive line. They don't really got great tight ends. Greg Olson's old. You know, he, he has games where he does good, but most of the time he's blocking or not or just like kind of a decoy. Mm-hmm. And they definitely don't have a good defense. So it's all on Russell Wilson to score 40 points to win a game every fucking week. So I, I think I'd have to go with Russell. Yeah, I feel you on that. And I just don't really know know if that's sustainable to – Score that many points all the time. So I feel like they do lean on Russell Wilson way too much, and like you said, without a great offensive line, he's back there running around for his life like all the time, and he just has to make these like crazy plays every single week. But I mean, as good as he is, for my money, I'm still taking Patrick Mahomes. I know he's underperformed this year, but just from looking from what I see, I just think Patrick Mahomes is just a piece, a, a talent of his, his own. He's in the league of his own right now. That's just a hundred. I I agree. Yeah. I agree. I just think. I think when you break it down more into like the value that they bring to the team right now, right. I think that Russell Wilson's just as uh, right up there with Patrick Mahomes because of the team he's on this year. Like, because like the Kansas City doesn't have a great defense, they have a great offense, but what they do have on defense is a pretty good pass rush and a decent secondary. Yeah. It, it, they, they get, they get chopped up in the rushing game and, and in, in the, in the small fine details of the game, like against tight ends, they, they match up bad against, 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 uh, against the run. They, so I just like lost my train of thought. Right, I just right. said it again, run, they match up bad against, but I, I just, when you, when I was watching Patrick Mahomes last season, it was just, I felt like it was a spectacle. This year, he kind of is just, I, I agree with you. He's like, okay, still the best, but it's not like, it's not like, holy crap, it's not even close. Cause last year, it wasn't even close. Like they were, if they went down by 30 points, they were coming back and winning games every time. Yeah, like sure. it was, it, I, but, where why I do agree with you where where I was going with that in a long end roundabout way. Right. <laughs> he's he's protecting the ball. Like and I think that's what kind of makes him gives him the leeway to be picked by you or anybody else because he has I he still hasn't thrown an interception, right? No, he threw one or did he, he threw one yesterday. Okay. Yeah, yeah I 
I stopped watching that game. Uh, I stopped watching that game when it was the when the Raider when it I, when they were down by five and they had a chance to win. And the play calls were terrible. The execution was terrible. I was like, "Oh, Chiefs are losing this game." Like, if they this was the drive that they they could have came back, got the lead, and they messed up. And Derek Carr was playing so good. And a surprising kind of Derek Carr fact: he's the twelfth quarterback in fantasy points this year. So he's playing pretty high level this year. Yeah, he's playing really well. I, I that was one guy I definitely didn't expect to play too great fantasy wise, at least because the team kind of circled around Josh Jacobs and started going in a different direction than like a big heavy pass team. And then all of a sudden this year, they're using Jacobs more as a skit back in kind of a decoy for the big plays to happen down the field. Right. Right. Yeah. That Henry Ruggs is like, that's a fast guy too. Man. That's another speedy guy. Yeah, and Darren Waller. I mean, he's a tight end, but he, yeah. he plays like a wide receiver, like a hundred percent. He kind of reminds me of, um, like, Jimmy Graham when he first burst on the scene with uh, New Orleans. Yeah, he was well, – what, what's up with Jimmy Graham anyway? I mean, he he's actually found a decent home in Chicago. Like, he's had a few touchdown games already this year. But uh, he has not done – he has not done great, and he's been with some, like, Drew Brees he was good with. But then Aaron Rodgers and, yeah. uh, and, and Russell Wilson – he played with some of the best quarterbacks since leaving Drew Brees, and he has not done well. And it's kind of surprising because he is like a freak athlete. Yeah, he is. You know, now that you say that, I didn't even realize how many great quarterbacks he's really played with. Like, he's really played with Drew Brees, Russell Wilson, and Aaron Rodgers. Like, who else can say that they played with those three quarterbacks in this era? That, that's nuts to me. Think about it. But what I was going to say about <laughs> – when I was going to say about Mahomes was I saw a set yesterday. And he's only lost nine games total in his career. Like, since he's become the starter, he's lost nine games. And in those nine games, he's averaging 31 points a game. So, even when he loses, he's still putting up numbers. So, like, it, it, it's not like he's ever – like, I don't think Mahomes has ever had a bad game. Like, in his three-year career, Mahomes has never had a game where he's just like, okay, throw that film in the trash. That was a terrible game. He's always I, at least had a, a good game. I agree. Uh, I, was a, I was a little – a little of a Mahomes hater at first. I'm coming around this season <laughs> because because it's it, after a while you got to respect the consistency. You know, like you yeah. can't you got to put the the bias aside because my my theory with Mahomes though at first was when he replaced uh, Alex Smith for the team. If you look back at the season that Alex Smith played before Mahomes replaced him, they were still the number one offense. Yeah. So so it's kind of like. Would Mahomes be doing this with a in a different system with a different team around him because they're kind of set up perfectly for how he plays? They really That's are. Like, like it, yeah, I mean, you got Tyreek that does everything, but has that uncanny ability to burn people and is the fastest receiver in the game. Mm-hmm. And then you got Travis Kelsey that also catches everything. Yeah. And then, and yeah. I mean, they got. Uh, their rookie running back, which ended up being like a huge pickup now. Mm-hmm. It's, I remember when they uh, got Sammy Watkins. He's a Sammy. I mean, he's not – when he was drafted to the Bills, oh my God, yeah. I believe he was a freak. Yeah. But now I think he plays – I think his role is even more meaningful now because what happens with Sammy is they, they know 
that the guys are Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey. So when when they end up playing good defenses, like good enough defenses that understand, okay, you gotta you gotta double this dude. You gotta play a safety on on uh, on the tight end instead of a linebacker, et cetera, et cetera. Sammy Watkins has had huge games because of that, yeah. and I think he fits that team really well. But point being is, like I. At some point, I want to see Patrick Mahomes on a different team. Not soon. Let him win, like, two or three more Super Bowls. But <laughs> at some point, like, I, I feel like I just – I want I, I, to I want to see him, like, do what all the other great quarterbacks have done. Peyton Manning left Indy, went and won a Super Bowl. Tom Brady finally left the Patriots. Now he's – I mean, they've lost a few. But statistically, I seen this stat the other day. Through the when it was the four games, uh, yeah. through the first four games of the season, 2018, 2019, 2020, Tom Brady's best year is 2020 through the first four games of the season. So yeah. it's kind of like it's only going to get better with Tom Brady. Okay, <laughs> sure. I mean, I think right now he has the best weapons that he's had in a while. I mean, you look at the running back, they lean a lot on Ronald Jones. Um, you got, you got Godwin. He's a low-key freak. Yeah, he, he's really good. Um, you got, I mean, Gronk is kind of at the, you know, he's kind of a really, really shell of himself. But you still got two other good tight ends in Cameron Braden and O.J. Howard. You got a solid offensive he's, line. You got a solid you got a solid defense. So, I don't know. I, I think, I think O.J. Guys, Howard went out. I think he's out for the season. Oh, yeah. but, oh he is out uh, for the season. You're right. I, I knew he got hurt. I forgot he was out for the – yeah, you're right. You're right. But I, I agree 100% that O.J. Howard, I think, is a better tight end than Rob right now. But Gronkowski carries that. If he's out there, they know Tom and him got chemistry and they know what he can do. So he's going to take up so much defensive attention. That's why they brought him. Yeah. And he can still block. I mean, he can still block with the best of them. I mean, he's not the same. He's an athletic freak. Yeah. He was really good. Um, I forgot what I was about to say. It was something else I had to say. But so I do want to go back to the um the Pittsburgh and the Eagles game. So <laughs> just one more thing. So real quick. So leading into the game, what kind of team did you see in the Eagles just looking at it from afar? Like did you see like a good team? Did you see a bad team? Like what kind of team? What were you like expecting going into the game? All right, I like that question because I feel like I half answered this with with the Carson Wentz if he was playing like he has been in prior years. I don't think the team overall is that bad. They have holes where, like, their defense, just like I was explaining about the Chiefs, like, their their path rush is pretty good. Their their rush stopping was not bad. They played James Conner and gave up 44 yards. Like, it, it it's not a bad – it's when the chunk plays happen is what kills you guys. But yeah. the point being is, overall as a team, I don't – I. I don't think you guys are that bad. There, that's there's a reason that there was a tie. There's a reason that there was close games that you guys lost. And I think it comes down to the play of Carson Wentz. I think the team overall would be if he was playing at a high level again. I think you guys would have one loss right now. I honestly, with the teams that you faced and the way that he used to play with the team, he like he doesn't have the Alshon Jeffries or the Deshaun Jacksons. But he does have some emerging stars like Fulgham, Greg Ward, Miles Sanders, and uh, uh, don't forget what, about the, uh, Jalen Rager. He's hurt, but he will be coming back. That's our first round, uh, our first round receiver we drafted. See, he's yeah, supposed to fill the role hurts. of uh, Deshaun Jackson, but he's out now. So we like literally are without our top three receivers right now. So, 
And, and you, as a fan watching it, you want me to be honest? I think it's it's going to help Carson Wentz play. I think it's going to. I think he got too much trust in in Zach. Like over the years, he came into this season with like, okay, I got Jeffrey, I got Ertz, I got Goddard, I got all. I got to do is throw up the ball, and we're good. Right. Now he he's kind of like, okay. We don't have these guys performing or they're not on the field at all. So I got to really like he didn't play bad yesterday. He was carving up that defense for I mean, they were 10 for 14 on third down conversions and most of those 10 were throws. So yeah. he, he did not play bad yesterday. He made some key key mistakes that lost the game in the long run, like the two interceptions. But it, it like you said, he has a problem with throwing high. But overall, yeah. it is. He, he's just, it's like, it's almost like that teeter totter thing where if he, if he, if you take 50% of the throws that he's thrown through the first five games and you just bring them down, you know, three, four inches, he, he would probably have like a 75 completion percentage (laughs) instead of it's, it's a crazy thing because it's, it's a game of inches, but it shows that a few inches can make you either throw nine interceptions or look like he did in 2017. <laughs> yep. And so you say he threw two interceptions yesterday. Technically, he threw oh, two I... interceptions, but, I mean, the last one, I don't really think the last one counts. That was just more like a desperation. We were down by nine. He just had to throw the ball up real quick, and it was – so I don't really, I don't really, really count the second one, so. As a fan, I respect that. As as a writer, you know, you got you to gotta add in there. <laughs> yeah, true. But, I mean, come on. That was, like, nothing more than a punt. It was 4 and 10. It, it was- it, it, that's exactly what the commentator said, too. They said, it's okay. This this was a punt. Yeah. Like, this was Carson Wentz punting the ball. Yeah, pretty much. I mean, he threw it. It was, it was a desperation thing. It's one of the things where you're just trying to – you throw it up and whatever happens. Happen. It was that Tony Romo time. That's what it was. They, every, every fucking game yeah. – Watching Tony Romo, man, he would do. He would he would get close. Like he was a fourth quarter king until the last two minutes. Like if you look up stats on Romo, yeah, he's up there with Peyton Manning, Tom Brady, with some of the most points scored, the best fourth quarters in his in NFL history. Yeah, he's one of the best. But then in the last two minutes, he throws an interception, right. <laughs> and it's just like it's it's like it, it's something. I did not expect it from Carson though, because the thing about Carson is. He's a young quarterback, but he even in his early his rookie year and stuff and around the injuries, of course, he was a quarterback that made good decisions. He never had an issue with that. And now it seems like he's more frantic. And I like like you said, I don't it might be a mental thing. It's definitely not a athletic thing because he's he's a specimen, especially at quarterback. But it's 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 a. It's a weird thing to watch as a, like a hardcore fan of football that like I like you know I don't sit down and like unless if it's Pittsburgh like I don't root for teams I watch I have Sunday ticket so I flip and watch every single game and and that's pretty like I have it on my, I have my laptop sitting next to me and I got the local game on for Pittsburgh and then I on the TV I flip through every game on Sunday ticket and watch every single game so it's like watching some of these four and one three and two teams Carson is honestly even with as bad as he's played this year is playing better than those quarterbacks it's just they're in the crunch time moments they're not overcompensating and trying to do too much and 
turning the ball over. They're trying to like staying calm, letting it ride and just trying to make the right decisions in the long run. And that's something that Carson Wentz, I think is missing this year. He's trying, it's almost like he's, he wants to be like Cam Newton was in his rookie year or like, you know, like he wants right. to be Carson Wentz from 2017 again, but he does not have that team to do it. He doesn't at all. No, you don't have the offensive line to do it. You don't have the offensive weapons that skill position to do it. It's just, it's, it's not, it's not possible. So. Nope, and I think a key is what you mentioned, the offensive line. If you watch the game with against Pittsburgh, if he had more than two to three seconds in the pocket, he carved that secondary up. It was when the rush got there a little too fast because of the offensive line yeah. that he ended up getting sacked or making bad decisions, making total uh, inaccurate throws. It was – I think it's. I think that's a huge key to Carson Wentz because he played his whole career with like that insane offensive line. Like, like you said earlier, right. Dallas. Dallas was one of the best offensive lines the last five years. But if you were to look below Dallas to see who's next best, it was Philly every year. Like, yeah, we were, we were right there. Yeah, I mean, you're thinking about uh, Jason Peters, Lane Johnson, uh, Jason Kelsey, Brandon Brooks. <laughs> And I mean, you know, the fifth guy wasn't the left guard. I just say Molly was never really that great, but you know, if you got four great offensive linemen, you can kind of get away with a fifth one not being like the best of his position. So, one hundred percent, yeah, like one hundred and fifty percent. You don't need five offensive linemen to have a good offensive line, but I think the most important parts of an offensive line is tackles and center, and you guys had that covered. So. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, I, I don't, I don't know what's up with Wentz. I, I just. Every year, you know, we try to – or every game, we think, okay, this is the game he's going to get it together. Okay, this is the week he's going to get it together. And it just doesn't – and I think yesterday was just a byproduct of, okay, if you actually give him a good receiver, this is what he, this is what he can do. He hasn't had a great receiver in, in forever. I mean, like, you think about the end of last year, Greg Ward was his best receiver. The beginning of this year, Greg Ward was his best receiver. So – you actually give him a good receiver in this Travis Fogum kid. If we can, if we actually continue to improve and continue to, to um, to develop, maybe he can be his number one target. Maybe Carson Wentz's numbers will just keep going up. But without that great receiver, a quarterback is only as good as his receiver. Like, I mean, if you give you you gave Dante Culpepper Randy Moss or Randy Cunningham Randy Moss, I mean, Tom like Tom Brady didn't really start putting up crazy numbers until he got Randy Moss. Peyton Manning had Marvin Harrison. Like all these great quarterbacks. They've had great receivers. You give them these uh, uh, practice squad receivers, like, what are you really expecting to do? I, I, I couldn't agree more on that. And, you, you know, but it's, again, like, it's one of those touchy topics. It's like the best quarterbacks, though, like, like Peyton or Tom Brady, he, he made a he, – he made – Bad wide receivers, amazing. I mean, look at Julian Edelman. He's great. He, Julian Edelman's a great route runner. Yeah. But I mean, look what he's doing with Cam. Like he, it's not the same. It's not the same. And he was one of the best wide receivers in the league with Tom. So, I think, I think the the Pittsburgh game showed a little shadow that Carson can make receivers better like that he can maximize their potential on the field especially with Greg Ward being as little as he is and then the game that we've seen Fulgham put up it, it's yeah it's 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 some it's some good it's some good light on a dark season so far for you guys yeah so the only thing that's good is 
it's not over. Our division is so terrible. I mean, we can win this with a – who knows, man? We can go six, uh, nine and one, and we can win the division. Who knows? So, You guys, it's definitely not over because I'm going to tell you this right now. Philly will win the division. They, they will 150% win the division. Cowboys have Andy Dalton. The Giants are the worst team in the league. Uh the Philly hasn't – they've had three different starting quarterbacks play so far. Right. So – or not Philly, sorry, Washington uh, has had three different quarter, starting quarterbacks play so far. You guys, even though you guys are one win team, you're the only team in that division that has uh, <laughs> that has a leader in a set roster. Every other team has, has their quarterback out rotating quarterbacks, worst offense in the league. Like, it's, it's, it's honestly like you guys couldn't have picked a better time to be playing bad yeah, because but... everyone else is playing bad there. <laughs> I mean, looking at the schedule before the year, you know how you know you, you know how you do it. You look at the schedule, you say, okay, win, 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 loss, okay, whatever. Yeah. So before the year, this three-game stretch that we're on right now, we had to go at San Fran at Pittsburgh, and then we have to be home for Baltimore. So you're looking at that three-game stretch, and you're like, that is just brutal right there. And luckily, we got lucky with San Fran. You know, they have a lot of injuries, so we were able to win that game. But Pittsburgh and then Baltimore back-to-back, that is just – that's tough, man. Yeah, and you, you guys don't have the beef. Really. If there was a winnable game in that stretch, it was going to be San Fran and Pittsburgh because I you to stop – we've seen it in recent weeks. To stop Lamar Jackson, you have to – get pressure like the Chiefs did and pretty much make him be a pocket quarterback. And you guys don't have the defensive roster outside of Fletcher Cox to really do that to Lamar Jackson. And there's definitely not no one that is going to keep up with like uh, Hollywood Brown and Lamar. So it's, it's a, it's a tricky thing. I mean, I think not to be rude, but Baltimore will probably get a pretty sizable win against you guys. (laughs) But also, so so you guys don't so anybody don't think I'm biased. Pittsburgh is four four and zero, oh, and but but we're not going to beat the best teams in the league. That's what I seen last night or yesterday. That's what I seen yesterday. They're not going to beat the best teams in the league because if a team that's a one-win team can find those spots to score that much points. Like, yeah. we haven't played, you know, Pittsburgh hasn't played, you know, Tom Brady, Drew Brees, uh, Aaron Rodgers, et cetera, et cetera. That's a lot of losses that that, that can happen to really good teams. Perfect. And uh, I think we lose to Buffalo. I think we lose to Green Bay. I think we lose to the Saints. I think we lose Tampa. I, th- I don't know if we play these people. I don't have the schedule in front of me, but right. I'm just saying, like, there's a lot of teams that I think we're going to lose against. And uh, the one team, though, that is super good that I'm kind of like, I want to see KC versus Pittsburgh only because uh, Patrick Mahomes had a lot of trouble when when – they got pressure on him, and that's like the one thing we can do. So I want to see if the offensive line holds up. Also with Lamar too. Like I can't wait to see those two games this year. Right, right, yeah, same. Um, I'm gonna get the two points, then I'm I'm gonna let you go. So, who do you think are? So give me like who you think the top team in the NFC is, and give me who you think the top team in the AFC is right now. Okay, okay. Um, 
top team AFC is the Chiefs. I, th- I think even off their loss, I, I don't. Uh, you know, if if we looked at it and this was a playoff game between uh, the Raiders and the Chiefs, I, I think the Chiefs would won. To be honest, so I, I think I think they kind of overlooked the Raiders because they're an on and off team every week. I mean, their car's been playing consistently, but they're not winning consistently. Right. So I think they've kind of been like. All right. Well, we smashed Baltimore. So, like the Raiders, like we're about to go in here and throw all over this defense, and it kind of just didn't work. But uh, I would say the Chiefs are the number one team. And even I, Pittsburgh's up there. I'm not going to pick them as number one though, because I don't think they're number one. I think that it, when they do play, like I said, against teams like the Chiefs, I think they're going to get blown out. But NFC, that that one's a. That one's a tricky one because we got you got you got Seattle, you got Seattle, but I don't think they're the best team. I don't. I, I think Russ is the best quarterback, but I don't think I don't think they're the best team because, like you said earlier, how are you going to sustain putting up like 30, 40 points a game, and that's how you win because your defense is that bad. Right. And I think. Uh. Green, Green Bay. I, I I think Green Bay. I think Green Bay is low key. You don't even hear people talking about Green Bay too much because you don't see like these three four hundred yard games from Rodgers no more because the rest of the team is so good now. Yeah, like and their defense is even low key. Like they don't get a lot of turnovers. They they let up some chunk plays, but what they do is they don't give up a lot of points. So I. I I think I would lean Green Bay, but I, I think it's it's a it's a hard race in the NFC this year. Um, I think it's like one of those things. Like if Drew Brees is on that day, they're going to beat Green Bay. If Aaron Rodgers is on that day, well, Aaron Rodgers ain't got to be on, but because <laughs> uh, that team is so good, like it, it's that he could turn around and hand the ball to Jamal Williams and Aaron Jones all game. And I mean, he literally pretty much has the whole year. And if he doesn't, he throws it to Jamal Williams or Aaron Jones. Like, or he have, um, he have Valdez Scanton. He has uh, Alan Lazard, his, his receivers. So he has some good receivers over there if he has to actually throw the ball. So. Oh, a hundred percent. But they've had some injury pro like I picked up Alan Lazard a couple weeks ago and then he fucking had to have surgery and he's been out since. And then Demonte Adams has, hasn't been playing too much. So it kind of, you kind of got to, you kind of got to look at what the team could still do without weapons because they don't have a great tight end. They don't have Devonte Adams. They don't have Lazard and they, they have uh Scan, uh, I forget that guy's name, yeah, but Bob, number Bob eighty-three. Bob Scantlin, yeah, yeah, <laughs> I know the number. Yeah, uh, <laughs> but but you you kind of got to see like how good the rest of the team is because in prior years, if key receivers went down, like Green Bay was screwed because even though Aaron Rodgers was great, the defense wasn't good. They didn't have a run game until Aaron Jones arrived. They even when they brought in good running backs they just did not have the makeup of an offensive line or a team that could run the ball well and I, th- I think obviously a lot of that is due to coaching changes and Malafleur and stuff but it, it, I think I would go Green Bay with the NFC what would be your picks um NFC I would 
probably, honestly, as bad as Seattle's defense is, I mean, I think Russell Wilson is playing so well, I would still take Seattle. But there's a lot of sleepers, though. I mean, you got to think about Tampa Bay. I think Arizona is, like, a really, really big sleeper. I think Arizona is much better than we – I would actually take Arizona over the L.A. Rams right now. I think the L.A. Rams are, like, super overrated. I just – I don't. I, agree. I don't trust Jared Goff at all, and I think their record of four and one is like whatever, man. I, I just don't really care. But I think Arizona, you know, I think they have a better. I just think they have a better team on paper, at least, and they have a, a, a quarterback with a higher ceiling right now. And they got one of the best players in the league. So, like, I mean, come on. I, I agree on all of those points. I just think it comes down to just like the Eagles. It comes down to the play of the quarterback because we've seen it this year already. We've, we've seen Arizona look like, like, holy crap, this is the year Arizona is going right. to, you know, start blowing people out. And then the next week, Kyler Murray throws two, three interceptions um, and they lose the game. Right. So it's like, it's like, it's a consistency thing. If Kyler Murray can figure that out and get consistent, uh-huh. I think that they're definitely a dangerous team in the NFC. Also to note, before you give your pick, the Bills in the AFC, yeah. I, I want to see them against Baltimore and the Chiefs and some of the top AFC teams because I think with the, their makeup and the way that they can play offense this year like they couldn't last year, I think it just complements their defense so well. And I think that if they're not going to beat, you know, the Chiefs and, and, the, and the Ravens, et cetera, I think they're easily, like, third best team in the AFC. Yeah, for sure, yeah. I, I really like Buffalo, and I'm actually happy for them because they've been, you know, they had a playoff run a couple weeks, a couple years ago until their quarterback got hurt. But then, you know, but they, they haven't been good for it the last two decades. But my pick in the AFC, I just think, like I said, Mahomes is in another class. I just think Kansas City is in a, another class by themselves. And you have to really upset them to actually beat them. And I think to beat them, you're going to have to score like 40, 40 points to actually beat Kansas City. But I will say another team, just like I said with Arizona, the Cleveland Browns. Like, I don't know. How do you feel about the Cleveland Browns? Okay, so – I th- I think I think the Browns are good. I think the Browns are are offensively really good this year. Mm-hmm. But if you look at the the play, why have they been good? Okay, Baker hasn't thrown for more than 250 yards in a game yet this year. I mean, they scored they dropped how many points on the Cowboys? Like 48, 49 points, something like yeah. that. And and Baker had 165 yards and two touchdowns, right, bro. Right. So <laughs> so. I think I think it comes down to not the the system. Like, how good can the Browns be? Well, it it depends on taking the workload off of Baker Mayfield because we've seen it in years with him starting there already. Mm-hmm. When when they don't have a great team around him, or when they try to draw up too many plays that are totally on Baker to throw, 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 throw the whole game. They don't win. He does bad. He throws interceptions. But I think this year they kind of honed in like, okay, we're going to turn you into a game manager. We're not going to turn you into a playmaking superstar. We're going to let you manage these other superstars that we have now. And it's kind of working well. Yes. So I think for sure. So I pretty much learned that in the, the Cincinnati game, I think it was week two. It was a Thursday night game. And the, the the second half, 
you can tell they did not trust Baker Mayfield to throw the ball. He threw an interception, I think, early in the second half. And after that, they said, okay, take the ball out of your hands. We're going to run the rest of the game. And that's exactly what they did. And they've been doing it every single week, and it's been working for them because they really – they have, like, probably – them and Indianapolis probably have the two best offensive lines in the league. And just looking at how good their offensive line is and how good they can run the ball, and Miles Garrett is able to disrupt the game at any moment. I mean, their defense isn't great. They can stop the run, but they can't really stop the pass. But I just think Baker Mayfield has the talent to actually make plays when he needs to. They just really have to trust him a little more. Baker Mayfield can actually go out there. like He's good. Kind of how Jimmy Garoppolo last year. They, they didn't really put a lot on his shoulders, but when he had to, he could actually come through. Now, if Baker Mayfield can do that again this year, I think Cleveland is a really, really – Real big sleeper team to me. I, I would agree. I think. I think we're gonna see. You know what I think uh, shows best the ceiling of the Cleveland Browns this year. I think it's gonna be when they play the top rush defenses. Then we're gonna because because when it comes down to playoff time, if they make playoffs, they're not gonna be playing teams that don't know how to stop the run. You know what I mean? Right, like right. so. I mean, there might be like the few wild cards because of the new system of another team getting in and ex- this year. Yeah. But, uh, but they, so there might be, you know, like one or two crappy defenses in the playoffs, <laughs> but they, they're not going to draw. The, I, I mean, it, it's going to be very lucky if they get one of those teams that like in a, in the playoffs that deep in a season. And, uh, I, I think like Pittsburgh, this game coming up yeah. uh, next week, I think that's going to show it's going to be a big factor to show how high the, the ceiling is for the Browns this season. Cause if there's one thing that Pittsburgh can stop all game, it's, it's going to be the run game outside of the big chunk play for miles Sanders last night. He, he got stopped at a good majority of the time. Pretty much, yeah. And so I think, I think it's going to be a big tell because, because of two things. If they go in there and they trample and they can still pound the ball over and over against Pittsburgh's front seven, it's going to show me, okay, they're going to be able to do this against pretty much any front seven on a defense. But if Pittsburgh can stop the run and that front seven, you know, works on that offensive line and gets the best of them, then the other factor is, is then is Baker Mayfield going to step up? Is their defense going to step up? Is when when the game plan of running don't work, are you still going to win football games? Because in the, against the best teams in the league, to be a sleeper that makes the playoffs and can do good, I think you got to be able to like if if the game plan don't work, you got to be able to win games still. Yeah, pretty much. So I mean, like you said, I think this is a big week for Cleveland, and I mean, I've been wrong before. I mean, this year. I was a big Gardner Minshew fan. I thought Gardner Minshew was going to have a great year. He's been terrible this year. Um, I thought I thought Atlanta would beat Green Bay last week because I just really thought, okay, they're 0-3. They're going to have some kind of sense of urgency. It's a Monday night game. Matt Ryan yeah. is, is, is not a franchise quarterback. I've been saying this since even before the Super Bowl year. Like, he, he was a product of a system that could protect the quarterback and throw the ball up to Julio Jones. Now he doesn't have him. Well, he has him, but he doesn't have the Julio that we've seen in years of past. And, and you're kind of just seeing, you're kind of seeing a team that throws the ball 60 times a game and that's all good. And he can throw to Russell Gage and Calvin Ridley and Julio and all these guys, but, but he makes mistakes every game. He gives up leads every game. 
And I know that has to do a lot with the defense, but they're even in the Cowboy game. And then the other game, I can't remember the team off the top of my head that came back and beat them. Uh, beat, it was back-to-back weeks, and everyone said, oh, you know, the defense, the defense, the defense. And I was like, yeah, but you guys are forgetting. After the defense gives up a touchdown, Matt Ryan has a chance to run out five to ten minutes on the clock if they play that drive right. Exactly. And he's turning the ball over every time. Like, I've never been high on Matt Ryan, and I think, <laughs> I think he's finally showing, like, that he – should have never been up 28 to 3 in that Super Bowl. They started slow and it like they the Patriots started slow in that Super Bowl. He should have never had a 14 and 2 season. I think that was what it was. And like they he's not that great. I just I don't think Matt Ryan is a, is a I don't even think he's a top 15 starting quarterback in the NFL. Oh wow, okay. <laughs> um I will say I will say um I don't want to call Matt Ryan a one year wonder. But I mean, he was solid, and he didn't even win a playoff game until his fifth year in the league. So like that, that was really disappointing too. But 2016 was his like best year ever, and that was like like his ceiling. Like he was never going to have a year better than that. Like he was, you know, exactly. you get his numbers. He's been pretty solid throughout his career. But that 2016 year was just like remarkable with Kyle Shanahan. But after Kyle Shanahan left him with the San Fran. He's been back to being a mid tier. You know, so I always say it's a difference. It's a difference between being a, a franchise quarterback and being an elite quarterback. You can have a franchise quarterback. That doesn't mean he's elite, though. Like, I, oh, yeah, I, I could agree there. I could agree that like Matt Ryan is definitely like he'll he's there for the longevity. He's good enough that he won't get cut. You know, right, but like, but at the same time, he's he's not a winner. Yeah, just simply. He he, the man can throw for 500 yards a game and still lose games. Right. Like there has to be a point where you worry. You gotta like as a as a fan. I don't look at 500 yards. Oh my god, that's a whole that's a game. I look at okay, but when the game was winnable and all he had to, out of those 500 yards, all he had to do was pick up a five yard first down on third down. Mm-hmm. And instead they had to punt it. And then they let, and then their defense lets up a touchdown. Like those, to me, those are the elite quarterbacks, the guys that can win in any situation, pretty much like not comebacks. Cause I know comebacks are really hard to get, especially in the NFL, but like, in the situational moments where you need two yards for a first down, you need, you know, a touchdown here, you need a field goal here. They, he's not the guy that to do it. He just, he's just not, there's a watch Russell Wilson last night when he did the 94 yard or whatever it was drive in the rain to win the game. Matt Ryan would have pulled that off. Even in, even in 2016, he wouldn't have pulled that off. Yeah. Agreed. Um, Like I said, it's a difference between a franchise guy and an elite guy. And I think, like, two people come to mind to me. I think Eli Manning and Joe Flacco are, like, two guys that really come to mind where they're not really elite. They're not, like, an – I wouldn't call them an all-time great, but they were good enough to be good for, you know, like a decade, like a little over a decade. I, 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 I would put Matt Ryan in the category with Joe Flacco and them, other than the fact that they've actually won Super Bowls. Yeah, sure. But <laughs> they, they also I, – I would give it to Matt Ryan that – they also had way better teams than Matt Ryan's probably ever had, like overall wise. Oh, for sure. Yeah, I don't like. I don't think Atlanta has ever had a great defense. I mean, ever since he's been there, I, I, I can't remember Never. like any time them ever being 
I can't remember the, one, the one yeah. the one year the one year they were good was when they had Desmond Trufant right. and Robert Alford and uh it was like Neil uh Kenyon Neal's first year at safety and they they were they were pretty good then but that offseason they let go of everybody like uh, Neil was the only one that stayed <laughs> and um it sucks because Dan Quinn was a, a defensive guy so and he just got fired right yeah so when you come from a defensive background and you become a head coach we at least expect your defense to be good like if you're the that side of the ball can't be good like where do you good for like if you're an offensive guy and your offense is not good why like where where do we hire you for? You gotta at least like make one side the the, the um like Sean McVay. When Sean McVay signed uh, when he went to the Rams, he made his offense good. Wade Phillips dealt with the defense. Like just deal with your side and let, let somebody else deal with the other side of the ball. Like do what you do best. Yeah, Dallas learned firsthand that Wade Phillips was not a head coach. Oh, for sure, yeah. And that's the thing, like <laughs> just like the whole franchise and the league guys, there are some great coordinators out there that are not good head coaches. I, I agree 100%. I think there has been so many quarterbacks in NFL history. And to touch on one of them, Tony Romo, like, you know, Wade Phillips' system was just not going to win, like, playoff games. It just wasn't going to happen. And, like, there there have been there have been so many quarterbacks. I mean, even Ben Roethlisberger with, uh, with the previous quarter, uh, coordinator before Randy Fickner, there was a reason that they got rid of him. Because, like, it was just not playing to Ben's strengths. And now we're seeing uh, an offensive coordinator that goes, okay, well, you've been getting injured. You get hit a lot. We don't have the best offensive line. So, you know what we're going to do? We're going to rework the system to get the ball out of your hands quick, run RPOs, run the ball a lot, throw underneath. We're not going to be the Ben Roethlisberger from previous years that just stands in the pocket for 10, 15 seconds and launches the ball down the field to Antonio Brown or some big names and get a bunch of plays because they learned that that, A, ends up in us not winning a lot of games or, B, ends up with Ben injured. Like, even if he plays through the injuries – Every season he's bumped up or banged up. So I think this system, I think this system is perfect for Ben and it's maximizing his potential even later in his career and age because it's quick passes, quick routes, RPOs, and running the ball a lot. So it's not like the team from 2018 where Ben had to throw for 5,000 yards. We, we, I think we're going to finish like 12 and four, 11 and five, somewhere around there. And and I, Ben might throw three, 3,500 yards, you know, like, and we're going to be a better team than we were in 2018 because right. we missed the playoff that year, even though Ben threw for over 5,000 yards. Right, right. Yeah. Like what you were saying with the quick passes and the RPOs and all that, with the thing that was driving me crazy yesterday was those reverses. And if, I was like, yo, if they run one more reverse, I, I'm going to, my head is going to explode. Them reverses were driving me nuts because you guys have so much speed over there. I mean, like what McLeod and um even Juju was fast and uh the, the back of running back, uh, uh Snell, I believe, and and um uh Claypool. It was just so many reverses, and I'm just like, oh my god, like, these are killing me. You, you, you know what I I you, I think it was it was a factor of you being an Eagles fan would know this best. How many teams have ran little reverses or little trick plays on you since you guys won the Super Bowl doing it? Yeah. Like that. It's kind of, I think, I think 
offensive coordinators are kind of like they're not going to expect us to do the kind of stuff they did to win a Super Bowl like against them and then it kind of catches your defense on on the edge not expecting anything yeah and even yesterday with when the Cowboys did it and they called the Philly special and I'm just like we should get paid every time somebody used this play like our team should get like some kind of royalties for that like stop using our play and stop using like we should trademark Philly special we should get some kind of royalty check from every time somebody runs our play it's it's literally your guys's play. It's funny. Right. Stop running our play, man! Like Jesus. Like, nuts. I, I I think it made it even better that it was it was done by both teams in that Super Bowl. But Phillies is the one that like actually was made the impact and right, right. was successful. It's funny like, talking about the Super Bowl. All right, it's my last point. I'm gonna let you go. Plus, I gotta pick up my. I'm I'm good. Okay. <laughs> um. So with the Super Bowl. We actually almost met you guys in the Super Bowl twice before. Like so, 04, we were in the Super Bowl and you guys lost to the the Patriots. And then in 2008, you guys got to the Super Bowl and we ended up losing to Arizona. And I would have loved to see the All Pennsylvania Super Bowl. It would have been it would have been really really dope. But it's been, been two the last two times it's just been really really close. So. Yeah. Yep. Uh, do you live in the Philly area or? Yes, I live in Philadelphia. Yes. Okay, so you, you understand if if it was Pittsburgh versus Philadelphia in a Super Bowl, the way that these towns are like hardcore football towns and super prideful yeah. in of, of their teams, Pennsylvania would be like fucking popping if that if there was a Pittsburgh versus Philly Super Bowl. That was like all all of Pennsylvania. <laughs> yeah, for sure. I, I know. Um, it's weird though because like we're in the same state. But we're so far apart. It's, I mean, you can get, I mean, I can go to Maryland, New York, New Jersey, Delaware. Can, there's so many other states I can get to faster that I can get to, uh, that I can get to Pittsburgh. Yeah, we're about five, six hours apart. Right. And, but, but the, the crazy thing is, like, we also carry some of the biggest fan bases. Like, if you, if you drive three, four hours past Pittsburgh, you're still going to see Eagles, Pittsburgh fans everywhere mm-hmm. if it's game day. Like so, it's just it would be it would be a pretty cool thing as a Pennsylvania resident to see because I mean even on even on a week five game you, like I don't know how it is in Philadelphia but Pittsburgh it is literally black and gold jerseys lining the streets like mm-hmm. if you see someone out walking it they're a Pittsburgh fan like on game day like it's 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 overly prideful and insane to, to be in the city during game day because people are drunk everywhere they're yelling, they're still screaming people are walking down the side of the road and they're just, they don't even know if you're a Pittsburgh fan or not, they're just screaming at you, people are free Pittsburgh Steelers right, right. It, it makes no sense but that I think that added in with the Philadelphia fans are kind of crazy like, like yeah, they're crazy. 100% like and I'm not meaning that in a bad way. I'm meaning that in like a, you guys are probably the one fan base that if a fan, another fan base talks shit, Philadelphia isn't going to go, oh, our team's better. They're going to be like, rally up, motherfuckers. Right, like, right. We're going <laughs> to fight over this. Yeah, like, <laughs> Yo, that, that's true, man. We definitely, I, I love our fan bases. I really, I, I love, I, I just love passionate fan bases. And when a, so I said this like last week. Like I said, one of my pet peeves about NFL fans are when their team loses and they're like, win, lose, or draw, I'm still a 
fill in the blank fan till I die. And I'm just like, that's what you're supposed to do. I mean, like, well, you want a cookie for like fancy standing by your team? I mean, anybody can be a fan of a team when they win. Like, like I feel the like the worst fans. The worst fans, though, are the fans that go, oh, man, I'm, I'm going to start rooting for someone else because I don't think we're going to do good. And oh, then they yeah. win. Like, and then they win. And then they're still like, yeah, but we ain't that good this year. Right. And I'm just like, dude, be happy that they're doing something. Yeah, <laughs> like, I, I don't understand. Yeah, I, I don't get the whole – one thing that this year has taught me is to not take any win for granted. Like, a lot of people were – not satisfied with the San Francisco win. I'm like, we just tied with the Cincinnati Bengals. We don't get to complain about what the win looks like. I don't care if we win the game three to two. Like, just give me a win. Like, I don't care how you win, win the game. Win. Just win. Like, you, you know what's funny about that? It's it's kind, it's a contradiction with that fans do everywhere. Okay, if a team, if a team like Philadelphia, like you know, not like the Tom Brady's or like a, a high end, like five and 0, 4 and one team, right. if a team like Philadelphia wins by three or four points, it's oh, they barely got away with that one. But if Tom Brady wins by three or four points, it's oh man, Tom Brady knew how to win in clutch time, right, and right. the Tampa Bay <laughs> is looking great. Yeah, and it 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 just doesn't make sense. A win is a win in the NFL. Like there's there's the Miami Dolphins and the Giants that we there's bad teams. We know that, Uh but a win even against those teams, like you got to watch for Darius Slayton, Devontae Freeman before Barkley got injured, and Jones. I mean, Jones has fumble issues and turnover issues, but there's they're in the NFL for a reason. So a win, a win is a win. Yeah, like I remember the Super Bowl year when uh, Jake Elliott made that 61-yard field goal to win the game, and I hear fans saying, oh, they need a, a great field goal just to beat the Giants. And I'm just like, what are you talking about? Like, it's a division rival. Like, it, a win is a win. I don't care how you win the game. Just win the game, but, please. Like, but take it back Take it back to Tom Brady's first Super Bowl, though, when uh, Vinatieri hit that clutch field goal in the snow, I believe. Mm-hmm. And, and he – <laughs> and and what was the narrative? The narrative wasn't, oh my God, Adam Vinatieri like won the no. It was Tom Brady set up the game winning field goal. Exactly. Like, so it, it just it really doesn't make sense. Like when when that argument is given. Like I just I know I know there's so many variables throughout the NFL game in a season, but like, did you win or did you lose? Like, I mean, once you if you look if I go on Pro Football Reference right now, right now, I will look at it and I'm gonna see. Did they win? And I look back in history, it's going to say W, it's going to say the score, and it's going to say a loss. It's not going to say all this, like, oh, they barely sneaked by, like, this team when they had a player injured. Like, it, it doesn't matter. Like, did you win or did you lose? Like, exactly. I, I hate the 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 player argument, too. Like, oh, they they were missing this guy. Oh, they were missing that guy. Do y'all, do, do y'all as fans not get that the second, third, fourth guys in the depth chart in the NFL are still, like, freak specimen athletes so like they're, they're there for a reason uh-huh. the only difference is they don't get their chance to show it most of the time like it, it's it's pretty plain and simple look at how many look at uh the running back for the colts taylor he's been one of the best running backs this year so far but you know why that happened because he wasn't getting no touches when Marlon Mack was the one starting before he got injured. Now he got his chance, and everybody was like, at first everybody was like, because I have friends that are Colts fans, they're like, man, we lost our number one running back. And I was like, dude, like, this rookie is, he is good. Like, (laughs) you guys will be fine. And they they were complaining, and now three, four weeks later, they're like, 
oh, this dude, like, he's one of the best <laughs> running backs in the league. And I'm like, <laughs> like yeah, this proves that the, the player argument does not work. Like, because there's hundreds of NFL players that are deep down in the depth chart that have the talent to be starters on any team. And they're probably more hungry than, like, the starters are because they're, they're the one that let go of that position. So, like, once they get a chance to get on the field, like, they're not relinquishing that. Like, they're like, okay, I'm going to make my shot. Like, Eminem lose yourself. Once you get on that field, it's okay. Ain't no going back now. 100%. I think I think that was a that was a really good analogy to explain that. Uh, oh, thank you. <laughs> yeah, yeah I, I think it was I think it was perfectly like that's how you got to say that because it, it's like you see it week in and week out. Chase Claypool outperforming Juju Smith-Schuster, Greg Warden. Right in Fulgham outperforming everybody on the team. And there's no, there's no reason when you have Zach Ertz that he shouldn't be like the star, like, like, yeah. but, but it with, to your point, it shows when those kids get the chance, they are way more hungry and they play way more efficient and way more consistent to be honest, because they're fighting for a spot. So they're worried like in their Zach Ertz doesn't have that worry. He's like, I'm Zach Ertz. I'm going to be a starter in Philly or wherever, regardless. But yep. these kids, are like, oh, if I drop a ball, I'm probably going to get sent back to the third, fourth string. Like, so sure. I, I can't do this. So they're like, they they play at a whole nother level. I think that's why we're seeing so many rookies do good because it was almost like the whole offseason was Tom Brady goes to Tampa, Phillip Rivers goes to Indianapolis, this, this, this. But it was never, it was never uh, Clyde, Hilaire Edwards or whatever yeah. his name is. No one ever I didn't even know that he was a rookie running back for the for the Chiefs until game one when I was when I seen him start to play and was like, oh, like <laughs> oh, this this kid's good. And then right. you start looking at a lot of other rookies and young players. Honestly, most of the teams are young players this year because a lot of the veterans sat out because of COVID, took the option to sit out the season. So it gave a chance for them to step up or this has been the worst injury plagued year for stars I've ever seen. So it, re- it really has like every roster you look at, there's not even one team that's really healthy. Every team you look at, there's some, there's at least a couple of players that are out like start, not even just backup. Like there are star players that are out right now for every single team. Yes. And I think, I think that helps what we're both saying right now that it, it shows that every single team has the, the, those players that sit behind those stars that are out. They're still able to be stars. They just haven't got their chance, and we're starting to see that with tons of players in the NFL. Yep, for sure. Because, you know, for like – it's kind of been like – if you look at the last 10 years, look at look how many Super Bowls Peyton Manning or Tom Brady have been in. Okay, so – and then on the the NFC side, I mean, up until recently, you know, it was – it was uh, Drew Brees, Aaron Rodgers, like the elite of the elite guys making to the Super Bowl. Yeah. So it, it's kind of like, and now we're kind of seeing a shift in everything because the last few years you could you could go, okay, Patriots are going to be a top team. Broncos, when they had Peyton Manning, are going to be a top team. Indy, yeah. when they had Peyton Manning, going to be a top team. Pittsburgh, with Ben healthy, going to be a top team, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. This year it's kind of like, yeah, we, we know – that Tampa Bay is going to be good because they got Brady, but are they really going to, I mean, we've seen them lose a few times and 
I just don't I, I don't I don't think Tampa carries the team to do a deep playoff run even with Brady. I think Brady can win playoff games, obviously with Tampa, but I, I don't I don't think that they outside of like their offensive weapons, Tom Brady's going to have to put up 35 points to win a game against teams that make the playoffs. Like they're, they're not gonna, that defense is good, but they're not great. They're not going to stop Aaron Rodgers from putting up 25, 30 points. They're not going to stop, you know, like a playoff Drew Brees putting up 20, 30 points. They're, they're, they're just, they're not. And I think going back to the young player thing, we're seeing a lot of young guys, be super hungry like Josh Allen, Devin Singletary, and a lot of the guys on the Bills, a lot of the guys on uh, on Pittsburgh that are new. The Philly from yesterday, we've seen we've seen uh, you know a star in the making with Fulgham. I, I think we're gonna see a lot more of that because of the injuries this year. Yeah, for sure. I would like like you were saying with Tampa Bay. I would be pre- like. I'll be really surprised if they made it all the way to the Super Bowl, even with Tom Brady there. That would that would really really shock me. I I I pick them to make the playoffs, lose game one in the playoffs, unless if it's unless if it's a wild card. If it's a wild card against another wild card, you know, not a really great team, then I think that they have a chance to get to the divisional round. If it's if if they end up in the divisional round without playing having to play a wild card spot. I don't. I think no matter what happens, they're losing in the divisional round if they make it. There's too many good. Like, it ain't the league that it was five years ago where everything was offensive or like like the the best teams that are going deep in the playoffs are teams that are good on offense, good on defense, and do everything well. And Tampa Bay is not that team. No, not at all. That would really shock me. And the NFC is. You think about the NFC, it's stacked right now. I mean, you think about the NFC West. I mean, you even think about the NFC South. Even um, like Carolina, who we told you, they were 0-2 at one point. Now, they're, all of a sudden, you look up and they're 3-2. and two, So, it's, it's a yeah, lot I, of teams. I, watching Teddy Bridgewater on the Saints last year when Drew Brees went down, yeah. I knew. I was like, yeah, t- like, okay, they lost games because their defense ain't great. But, like, let Teddy get some time in the system playing in real games because they didn't yeah. get – preseason they didn't have much of a training camp they have so many restrictions on padded practices this year right. uh, they, I think they were only allowed to have a hundred padded, padded practices from week one to 16 or 17 so it's uh it's kind of crazy but it, it's it's like what um, what were we saying? Sorry, my my brother walked past and said, Hi. Uh, uh, Teddy Bridgewater. <laughs> okay, okay, Teddy Bridge. I, I kind of I knew by seeing him play this with the Saints when Drew Brees went down last year that he was going to be a fit for this system because I mean, even though it's not a Ron Rivera system, where we he brings a very similar skill set that Cam does, except he protects the ball way better than cam and he and decision wise he he he's not worried about throwing it 30 40 yards down the field getting big chunk plays he will dump the ball off every single play if he if he's able to pick up a few yards and i think that's been a big thing to their success because after a while you're like okay we're playing teddy bridgewater be ready for five to ten yards passes and then robbie anderson hits you for 80 right i'm actually glad you said that because i'm watching the i'm i rewatched the game uh, Carolina in the Atlanta game, 
So what what happened with quarterbacks is when quarterbacks are like super athletic, when they get pressured, what they want to do, they want to run away and they want to duck and they try to they try to make the the, uh, the amazing play and they end up losing 15 yards or whatever. Teddy Bridgewater, it was second and four. He got blitzed like the the I think the linebacker or the cornerback or somebody came like un unprotected, and he just he he dumped the ball off. He just threw it down. He just threw it away. And you know what? Live for another down. Third and four comes up. He hits DJ Moore on the crossing route. He runs for a 54-yard touchdown. And I'm just like, that is why. See, a lot of times, like I said, on these first and second downs, these quarterbacks don't want to live for another play. Just throw the ball away and live for another down. Like, this is not the end-all, be-all. Like, so when the next play comes, he gets a 54-yard touchdown. He didn't make – he didn't force himself into a mistake. He didn't try to force the ball into something. He didn't try to evade him and try to duck and, and do this and try to spin away. It was okay. Let's let's take this. It's, good. it's still going to be third and four, and let's get this touchdown right here. And that's exactly what happened. Exactly. And he'll do that same thing on third and fourth if it's, if it's not there. That's the thing. Right. And that was but, like well, Alex Smith. Alex Smith was like notorious for that. He just – he never really took any chances at all. Yeah, and and he still like I mean let's be let's be real here. The success Kaepernick had was was Alex Smith's season. Like like he Alex Smith. I mean, other than the following year, but that was kind of like the shock value of Kaepernick. No one knowing what Kaepernick could do, and it was in a time where that it was the beginning of the mobile quarterback era. Like, but if you look at the year that. Alex Smith led the team and then got injured in the in the playoffs. He that that was that he was the staple of that 49ers team. I honestly think that Kaepernick stepping in is why they didn't win that hardball bowl. Like Yeah. Yeah, I I like I like Kaepernick. And he was actually right at the beginning of the the RPO like um like the, yeah, not the run RPO, the uh, the read option. Like that was like right because it was like the RG three, the Kaepernick like era. It was like right at the start of the, the read option era. So you really yep. didn't know how to defend it at that time. Exactly, exactly. And you know, I think I think his time has passed being a like a good NFL quarterback because you don't just sit out for yeah. five six years and still right. be able to play at an elite level, uh-huh. but. For the time that he w- did do good, and the time he was, he was like, uh, had a lot of shock value to it. No one knew how to handle it, and it's kind of what you're seeing with Lamar now, because it's like a whole nother level. Because he's just so fast and yeah. so thrifty that he, it's like, even if he drops back for a pass, like it's like fifty percent of the time, it's going to be a run play. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, you can't even. Yeah, they, they're they're not passing the ball well at all this year. I mean, like, I think they're like thirty first in the league in passing yards. They finished that game the other week where they they won big, like big big, and he had like seventy seven yards. Like, yeah, like, crazy. like <laughs> it, it, it's it's a it's a nuts thing. To, it's also nuts to watch because when you see quarterbacks and and if you're a fantasy player like me, I I've played every year for you know seven eight years. You expect the quarterbacks that throw a lot of touchdowns and a lot of yards to be the best quarterbacks. And then yep. you see him with like 100 yards, one touchdown, but he still scores 30 points a week. <laughs> like, yeah, you're looking like, and, how, how are they doing this? Right. Listen. <laughs> it's, I think that's kind of like that Kaepernick effect. You, that offense is so diverse that you you don't know how to really gauge them to to play them because you're like, okay, well, if we – 
if we kind of if we make Lamar try to pass the ball and we don't get to him soon enough, he's going to take off and in that and it's going to be an even bigger play than him passing. So it's a weird team to play against. The only thing I think is their weakness compared to last year. Mark Ingram is not playing like he last year. He was a monster. Like he was, he re he had a resurgence in his career, and you kind of seen the old Mark Ingram that was playing healthy on the Saints when he went there, and he was like a workhorse back. This year, he's getting like ten touches a game, but and. And I, I think that's been a big reason why we we haven't seen them like why we seen them get smashed by the Chiefs. They don't have like Lamar Jackson is their guy. Like he's their workhorse. It shouldn't be like that. Like he like even with his skills, he's got to be able to turn around and give the ball to a, a Clyde Hilaire Edwards or and or a Mark Ingram or you know et cetera et cetera. I think that's yeah. what makes the best quarterbacks in the league. And I think that's why Mahomes is doing so good this year too. I mean, he was, he was doing good last year, but he was doing good all, all his years. He played, let, let me reword that. He does great all the years he plays, but turnover wise and efficiency wise, he's doing, I think he's doing a lot better this year because if he doesn't have, if he doesn't this year, he doesn't have to, throw the ball 50, 60 times a game to win. Like, they can literally, with their backs, especially when Williams come, it gets healthy. I don't know if he is, but I know he's been hurt for a couple games. But uh, – uh, Come on, Damian Williams from the, um, the Chiefs? No, no, Dar- their backup, their other one was oh, – Damian Williams, yeah, okay, yeah. Daryl Williams and Damian. Okay, they yeah. had both – they had two Williams running backs. Right, right. But yeah. uh, he was banged up, and I, I think – Damian Williams left, right, or didn't play this year because of COVID or something yeah, like that's, that. Yeah, that's all I'm about to say. Yeah, okay, yeah, yeah. But uh, yeah, the other guy, he's more of a skip back, you know. Like, like he was really good at catching the ball out the backfield, and that's all they had last year. And they won a Super Bowl with that. So it's, now they have like a real like three down back that can catch the ball, run the ball, do anything. And it's, it, I think that contributes to a quarterback a lot. Yeah, for sure. They haven't had this since uh, Kareem Hunt. I remember when they had Kareem Hunt that first year, they were, their offense was unstoppable. You could not do anything with that, that team. Yeah, it, was that a Pat Mahomes Kareem Hunt team? That was, right? Yeah, that first year, the, the year he won the MVP, yes. It was. Okay, yeah, I, I I couldn't remember if it was if he had Alex Smith his first year or Pat Mahomes. Yeah, no, nah, he was he was there. I think his rookie year was the Alex Smith year, but then after that, like I think 2018 – Definitely, Cream Hunt really had just insane numbers. So, yeah. Okay. Before we before we get done, I mean, we've been here for a while, but I don't care. It's it's pretty fun conversation, yeah. and I don't get <laughs> I don't get people that can actually like talk back with me too much. Like like when I start going into stat like statistics or like situational things, they're pretty much just like, oh yeah, yeah, that's cool. Like right, right. <laughs> you can tell they're kind of like, oh, you're a fan, but you don't understand football. Like, yeah, I hate those kind of people. I, I feel you, man. But, uh, who do you think? Two questions: best running back set, best wide receiver set in the league. Who for any both sides, AFC and NFC? Who do you think that is? Uh, so are we assuming everyone is healthy? Active rosters, like like uh, who's a good team that is banged up? Like you can't count Green Bay with Devontae Adams and Alan Lazard out. Okay, only because I was going to say. 
I was going to say Cleveland with the running back set because of Kareem Hunt and Nick Chubb. But Nick, Nick Chubb has been out for a couple he, – well, he's going to be out for a couple weeks now. Yeah, by far, that's the, that's the number one duo back when Nick Chubb is healthy. By far. They're just they're, – the, the, the production that those two backs seen through the first few games before Chubb got hurt was yeah. insane. Right. I'm trying to think of somebody – another team, then. Let me think. Let me think. Uh, who is a good duo in the NFL running back? Huh? I feel like most teams have like one good running back, then they have like an okay running back. So. Yeah. Um. I and you know what the weird thing about it is? Most of the teams had like not most, but a good bout of the teams had a star running back and a good backup. And at some point, the starter got hurt. Marlon Mack and Taylor. Uh, Le'Veon Bell and Frank Gore, uh, Leonard Fournette and Ronald Jones. Uh, Like it's, it's most of the big names are injured this year. So I feel like it's, uh, that's why I wanted to ask you what your opinion would be, because I I mean, through the first three weeks, it was clear that the best running backs were Kareem Hunt and Nick Chubb. Right now, I, I, I don't, I don't know who you would pick to be like the best backfield. I mean, so I mean, Minnesota, you got Dalvin Cook and you got uh, Madison. In uh, Seattle, you got uh, Travis Homer. You got uh, uh, Chris Carson. Man, Carlos Hyde when he's not injured, but yeah. he's been kind of banged up. He's He's been injured his whole career. Like, that's, that's, he's been a bust yeah. because that, that dude was a freak at Ohio State. Yeah, he was. Um, I don't know. Like, I mean, I'm trying to think, but. I remember when Mark Ingram was in New Orleans, man. Mark Ingram and Alvin Kamara had a nice duo going on there. So. Yep, yeah, that, that was a nice duo. You know, what, uh, ironically, I think right now with the injuries with Nick Chubb being out, even though they're not winning games, I think the Atlanta Falcons backfield on any other team yeah. would be the best. The best. Yeah, I was going. I was thinking it, of too. Uh, you got Hill and Gurley. Gurley had a good game yesterday too. Yeah, and if you're on any other team, they're going to use those guys right, and they're they're a scary duo. Right, but it's that, because I think everybody's right. hurt. Because I'm thinking even San Fran, I'm thinking you know Mostert, and you got uh, McKinnon, you got uh, uh, Tevin Coleman, but you got Coleman who's hurt. Mostert just came back, so it, it's so many running backs are hurt right now. Yeah, that I forgot about San Fran, but so I, I think it would be I, if if they got. Wilson Jr., McKinnon, Mozart, and uh, Tevin Coleman, like that's by far the best running back set without if Nick Chubb's still injured. Right, right. Uh, who would you go with, with for receivers? Who do, you, who do you think the best one, two, and three is? See, again, this is assuming everybody is healthy. I would assume everybody is healthy. I would go with Atlanta. I think there's some clear ones, though, on this one. I think there's a few clear ones. Okay, uh, let me think, let me think, let me think. Um... I, I think, again, it's funny because I keep picking a team that hasn't won games. Julio Jones, Calvin Ridley, Russell Gage. That's what I'm thinking, too, but I'm thinking – I'm assuming everybody's healthy and Julio Jones is not healthy right now. So. Yeah, but – yeah, true. true. And But he did play. I don't – I think he got banged up in the game, though. But, no, uh, he didn't play yesterday. He played the week before he got hurt in uh, the uh, Green Bay game. Okay, that's – He was out yesterday. Yeah. So, so but – Calvin really did have a good game. He's he's been really good this year. Uh, Tampa Bay they have a nice duo with uh Godwin and, and Evans and and uh, Scott Miller I believe. 
Yeah, he stepped up big because he's definitely Tom Brady's type of wide receiver too, right. Miller. And you know another uh, person who's like another team. So they lost the they, they lost DeAndre Hopkins, but Houston lo- low key have a nice receiving core if you think about it. Brandon Cooks, yes. Kenny Stills, yes. uh, Will Fuller. Uh, Will Fuller, that could the best. Well, not the best. I think Brandon Cooks is probably their best receiver. But and you got Randall uh, and you got Randall Cobb as well. He does like the the underneath stuff. So. Yeah, they they're scary good. I th- I think I would pick though. Uh, I I think I would go with. Uh, I think I would lean either Seattle or Arizona. Yeah, yeah. See, I don't have to go in. Yeah, you're right. David Moore, Tyler Lockett, DK Metcalf. That that's an insane lineup, and uh, especially Lockett and Metcalf. And then uh, Arizona, DeAndre Hopkins, Larry Fitzgerald, Christian Kirk. Uh, that that's a pretty insane one. And they've had the other dude that's slipping my mind step up a lot. Uh, even uh. You, you, one of the teams that I thought was going to have insane weapons was the Raiders, but they're kind of down to like Rugs and and Waller and Jacobs being their main key factors. But they had Tyrell Williams to start the season, and imagine, oh, right, right, like he he got it, he went out for the year. So like there there's there's definitely a few teams that I feel like they're like two and two, three and two teams right now. Yeah, and if they didn't have the injuries that they had. I feel like they would be one of the best offenses in the league. Like, right? Yeah, for sure. They um, and you know Nelson Aguilar, he always comes up and makes a play every once in a while. He had a fifty-yard touchdown yesterday. So, no. Oh, uh, but to to be honest, I think you guys getting rid of Aguilar was dumb because he fit your system so well. Yeah, true, like he, man, but he wasn't doing much though. He had like one good year. Like he was here for five years. He he really only had one good season, honestly. Oh, yeah, I, I agree. But it was the last year he was there. No, you know what I mean? His, his best year was the Super Bowl year, 2017. He really hasn't – he didn't really do much besides that Super Bowl year. I I, I just I, – I am I might be a little biased with Aguilar because I had him on my fantasy team that year. So Yeah, maybe. And, and I was like, like, this kid is fucking good. But uh, I think it's kind of – I, I mean, he, he does step up and make plays for the Raiders every once in a while. I mean, pretty consistently. It's only been five games, and he's stepped up in two to three of those games so far. So, I mean, what more can you ask from a role player? Yeah, I guess. So. <laughs> That's a soft spot for you because he was a Philly. <laughs> I would say, look, man, take it from a guy who watched him every single week. I mean, his first year was like, no, his first two years were, were terrible. He changed his number. He got like a he, he he had a whole new rejuvenation. His his first two years were so bad that on Instagram he turned off his comments because he was tired of all the hate comments. So I noticed that. And then once he became good in 2017, he turned his comments back on because he was he was he was getting all the love. He was feeling the love again. In 2017, 2018 were pretty good. Still a lot of drops though. But then last year was just terrible. And then it was okay. It's time to move on now. Who would you pick for? For your best rookie wide receiver or best running back, rookie running back this season? Uh, rookie wide receiver, I would. I think it's, I think, I, I, I think based on healthiness, you can't add rugs in there, but you know, he, you got to see if he stays healthy. But so far, he's been way too banged up. I would go Justin Jefferson or uh, CD Lamb. Yeah. CD Lamb is like, yeah. He's doing the stuff that Des Bryant was doing 
in his in the prime of his career. Instead, it's his rookie year, and it's it's kind of it's it's kind of crazy to see, especially. Like my dad plays fantasy with us, and he has Amari Cooper, and Amari Cooper gets a lot of a lot of uh, targets. Yeah. But Ceedee Lamb has been getting all the touchdowns, right. and it's he's been showing up a lot. I think rookie wise, he's up there. Uh, but if Justin Jefferson can find his place in the Vikings offense, like they, Adam Thielen is a monster, and he's great, but he's just not he's not that number one guy. Like, again, I think he works just like a Juju does. Like he's going to play better if he has a monster across the field with him. And I think that's why you've seen Adam Thielen do so good in years past because he had Stephon Diggs the whole time. Yeah, for sure. So like when you, when you asked me that, I was thinking of a nice way to say the wide receiver that plays for the team in Dallas, but I didn't want to say their name because as you know, I, don't like Dallas at all. So I'm never going to, I'm never ever going to give any Dallas Cowboys player any kind of credit. But if I had to give my credit, I would go with that guy that wears number 88 for the Dallas football team. Nice, nice. Uh, uh, well, since, since you, since you hate the Cowboys, what I, I, not looking at the Cowboys as a team, what, what did you think of Dak's season so far this year? So I thought Dak, put up some great numbers. I don't want to call him garbage time per se, but I will say they were down in a lot of games and he had to throw for a lot of yards. Last week in that game against Cleveland, he had 200, they were down 41 to 14. And at that point he had 227 yards, which is pretty respectable. But when you think about in one quarter, he threw for like 300, he ended up with like 500 yards, I think in that quarter. So he pretty much threw for almost 300 yards when they were down by 27 points so like to me that's not really I wouldn't say it's not impressive because he still has to do it but you know how defense hey, play when they're up 41 to 14 they play a little prevent you exactly. know you, you, you can get way more yards when you're down by that many points so like I said I, and they were still in the game they were actually coming back like garbage time is tomorrow when it's you're down by 20 it's two minutes left in the game and you're getting like these, I, I, whatever even but, as a fan I couldn't agree more yeah. like because because but I will say this if you put Dak on a good team and you limit the throws so the turnovers don't happen, mm-hmm. I think I think he wouldn't be throwing for as many yards, but it would be more wins and he would he would be like a higher rated quarterback in the fans' right. mind. But you, you you can't look at the you can't look you can look at stats and go oh wow that was a really good game, but you can't go oh wow like he's an elite quarterback when. The, when he had a chance to win, like it was all garbage time. Like you said, the, the, when he did good and they came back, it was because the defense was like, "Oh, this game's over, dude. We're smacking right, exactly. them." And then, and then he comes back. But the the thing is, if he was an elite quarterback, he had a chance to win that Cleveland game. And instead, he threw an interception, and then they scored another touchdown, and we lost. So it, it's it's like the mo it's it's situational. It's the moments and. In those situational crucial moments, he has never been the guy to step up except once in a playoff game against Seattle. Right, exactly. So, I, I mean, like I said, I don't really want to call it garbage time because I discounted it a little bit, but it's, I mean, come on. I mean, the, the yards is amazing. Like, he, he was on track to throw for 6,700 yards this year, and he already had 1,800 yards through right. five games. Like, that, that's amazing. But also, they're a one-win team with yeah. that. So it's like, does that really transition into uh, success or or being elite? Exactly. I, I don't know. I, I don't care about two yards. But I do want to answer your question, though. Um, 
the rookie running back. I would have to go with, you know, the running back from Kansas City. He's probably like the best one. Or the Jonathan Taylor from Indianapolis. Or a sleeper actually is from uh, Detroit, DeAndre Swift. He's been pretty solid this year. More catching the ball, but he's been he's been solid. And I think he'll have a nice career as well. Yeah, the, he Swift brings that Darren Sproles type of right. approach to to the Detroit Lions, and I, I think he he'll be a staple in the NFL throughout his career. I, I think I would pick ba- based on wins and overall success. I would have to go with uh, with. Uh, Edwards Hilaire. Hilaire. Yeah. I, I kept I've now that you said Edwards Hilaire, I've realized that I said Hilaire Edwards every time I said his <laughs> name. But uh <laughs> um but yeah, but uh if see I don't know if, if you put uh Edward Hilaire Edwards, Edwards Hilaire, whatever, on uh if you put him on a team that doesn't have an, an insane passing right. game, does he still do good? Because I think Jonathan Taylor is, you know what I mean? Like Philip Rivers it ain't necessarily like the superstar. I mean, he's averaging like 10 or 11 points per week in fantasy, and, but they're winning football games because of the run game, like, and, and Taylor, Jonathan Taylor. So also I think Robinson is in that mix for the Jacksonville Jaguars. Oh, their yeah, rookie yeah, running back, yeah. Robinson. James Robinson, right? Is that his name? Yeah, I, I believe so, and uh, I, I think he's in the mix for the, one of the best rookies this year because he has low-key. I've played him in fantasy, and he has – my buddy Billy has him. Shout-out, Billy. And uh, he he has scored, like, 15-plus points every single week so far, coming on a team that isn't doing that great and doesn't have that great of an offensive line or that effective of a passing game this right. season. But so what you said about um... – Clyde Edwards Hilaire, you said if you put him on a different team, he probably wouldn't have the success. Now, I can switch that around for Jonathan Taylor as well. Indianapolis has probably the best offensive line in the league. So if you take Jonathan Taylor off of that team, would he have the same success? Probably not. So Yeah, I, I agree. That's why I that's why I think when I thought of Robinson, I, I'm kind of leaning towards him right now because he's probably the running back that is dealing with the least amount of help and is still going off. So the device that uh, Mike was using ended up getting disconnected. I think his uh, device died on him, which is, uh, you know, okay. We ended up talking for two hours. If you're still here listening with me, I appreciate you still making it this far with me. I always have a rule about listening to podcasts. Usually when it's about two hours, I'm usually out by that time. I usually can't get through a podcast that's longer than an hour. So I usually try to keep my episodes to an hour. But when you're talking to another sports fanatic such as yourself, things tend to get carried away. So we end up talking for about two hours. But like I said, if you made it this far, I appreciate you. If you didn't, you'll never hear this message anyway. So it really doesn't matter what I say right here. Um, I appreciate my guy Mike for coming on with me and you know, just talking football. Like I said, we just talked football the whole entire time. We didn't talk anything else. Please go listen to his uh, podcast Look him up on uh, YouTube. Look him up on Facebook. Believe You Can Podcast. So, again, thank you to my guy for coming on with me and chopping it up for two hours. And if you're still listening, I appreciate it. Remember, it's just a game until it's not.